Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I don't like blood and guts But I love them when they're lengthily discussed All aboard! <laughs> choo choo! Wow! Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Is that the train reversing? Yeah. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh, Paul, Gorley. Here we are for another episode of With Gorley and Rust. I'm especially happy to be here today. Same, 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 same. We're talking terror train. Terror train. Two T's. TT. First of all, it's alliterative. Cool. I learned online in dubious internet research that uh, the guy who thought of this had just seen Halloween and had a dream about Halloween and a train and woke up and told his wife, should I do Halloween on a train? And she goes, that's terrible. And he goes, you're right. Terrible train. And then he changed it to terror train. (laughs) This is all real? This is according to the internet. Uh, Terrible. Terror. Terror. (laughs) Baby, I love ya. (laughs) I love a... I was also... When you were telling me that, I'm like, thank goodness he had been watching Halloween before. Like, what if... (laughs) What if he was watching, like... Oh, Heavenly Dog. (laughs) Or One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest (laughs) on a train. train. (laughs) That's like when it was Die Hard on a bus, Die Hard on a ship, Die Hard on everything. This was Halloween on a train. But then it makes me think, well, now I want Halloween on a ship. And now I want Halloween. What was the hey, most specific? Hey, we got specific- Halloween on a ship, my man. On a cruise ship. With a Jason Takes man. Oh, you're so right. But I wonder if that was their inspiration. If they were like, terror train? Hey, yeah. hold on. There's a whole mode of transportation we're ignoring. Now, snakes... On a plane, <laughs> got kind of close to the terror on a... That's true. Yeah. but and that could have been on a train as well, because it still rhymes, but they still went with plane. Oh, no, but you're right. Michael Myers on like a 730, uh, like a, uh, um, what are those jets that are oh, double-deckers? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. It, that's not a 747, right? That's like a seven. 
I don't know what it is, but the ones that have like the bar and the lounge. And the spirals. Yes, yes. I just want to see Michael Myers going up the spiral staircase in a jet. I do too. Oh God, that's just the tip of the iceberg that we're going to be getting to today. This is with Gorley and Rust and... By God, you can go to our Patreon at With Gorley and Rust. It's patreon.com slash With Gorley and Rust. That's right. And we're the uh, easy listening oh, horror yeah. movie podcast. Yeah. You just relax, sit back. It's going to take a while. <laughs> I, have we discussed this before? Do you think there's a reverse where it's um, a hard <laughs> listening, like Nancy Myers podcast? That's like uh, 15 minutes long. And they're just. <laughs> Screaming oh. the whole time. You're saying totally bizarro. It's very, very short. Could we maybe do that as a Patreon bonus episode sometime? Yes. Oh my gosh. I just have like a screaming with like <laughs> anthrax level guitar. Anthrax? What a weird. No, I think that makes perfect sense. And then, yeah, we're just screaming about our, our observations on. Uh, she uh, doesn't love him. <laughs> she loves him. Oh, now, what were you thinking of there when you said that? I was thinking of she wants to get b- back together with Alec Baldwin, and it's complicated. She doesn't love Steve Martin. Meryl Streep, of course. I didn't have a specific thing, and I'm actually glad you said that because now I can latch onto that. <laughs> have you seen It's Complicated? No. Um, well, we'll save it for the, save it for the, the 15 minute hardcore. Yeah, hardcore. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, what else is there to do but to get into this thing? Well, and, you know, for context, just to let people know, you had to hit record because we were raring to talk. And I was like, okay, let's yeah. get on the mic. Yeah. This is one of those movies that comes up once in a while when we're doing these discussions that I feel like I have so much to say. Uh, a lot of it good and a lot of it bad and nowhere in between. And I have mixed feelings and I I don't know my thoughts and I'm excited to talk about it because mm-hmm. there is so much for me personally going on in this movie. Same. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, totally. I, uh, when, before we hit record, I was like, it was a very particular viewing experience that I haven't had uh, in quarantine, but like in <laughs> general that like, or in a while. And, uh, uh, to add to that, I watched it two nights ago, uh-huh. and this morning I woke up thinking about it and admiring it it more, and I I feel like that's a good sign of a because this was I, a I hadn't seen this since junior high. What was what was your your background on TT? Well, the reason. Now, this was technically your pick, but I had it on my list as well. Right. And so I got to choose something extra, but we were both, I think this was the one movie, the only one we were both choosing, right? That's correct. Yeah. yeah. Third of, uh, just for pe- so people know, number three of 10. Yeah. 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 And I, this is a movie, I've mentioned this before, that I saw in the video store all the time. Mm. I saw it in the select TV catalog, that poster of... What I did not know at the time, and up until watching it last night, did not know, was a Groucho March, Marx mask. Yeah. I thought, like, if that's anyone, it's Gene Shalit. <laughs> when I was a kid, I, and I saw that cover, I mean, I feel like everybody must have a memory of that cover if you went to a video store it's or went so to the good. fourth section. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was Gene Shalit, or... <laughs> I couldn't have said his name at the time, but I realized that I thought it was maybe Eddie Deason. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which is interesting. Like Eddie Deason wearing a makeup or something. Yeah. Because yeah. the guy who played Derek McKinnon, who plays Kenny, 
By the way, if you haven't seen this movie, this movie actually does have two spoilers, really. So you might want to check it out and then come and an back. An impressive to it. one that like uh-huh. tricked me. Me too, for so, up to a point. And yeah. pause if you want to get tricked. Go yeah. watch a movie and get tricked. Yeah, but Eddie Deason feels like kind of close to the actor who's playing mm. Kenny. Yeah, a very specific <sighs> late seventies eccentric actor yeah. type. So yeah. I always knew of this movie it was always in my consciousness i feared it like i did halloween and it's almost worse when you don't see it and so i was thinking about how this movie's trajectory is like absolutely inconsequential but very significant in a way in my life because it was the one i kind of like most wanted to see as a kid but was afraid of then i just thought of the absurdity of here we are doing a podcast I'm a middle-aged man, and this movie's back in my life in a way as a kid I would have never understood. Like, if I would go back in time and go, don't worry, little guy. You're going to see that movie. You're going to be okay with seeing it, and it's going to be part of your career. (laughs) I would have blown my... It would have blown my mind. Yeah, if if somebody just, like, took a photograph of this moment right now of you holding mics outside (laughs) with headphones on and having coffee, even as a young kid, be like, I'm going to be drinking coffee. Uh, Yeah, hold right there. You're burying the lead. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, this would be very... And then to top it off, oh, my gosh, he was a... That older me is okay talking about Gene <laughs> Shallot. What did I turn into a hero? How does <laughs> how do I do that? Oh, so I certainly must have wrestled three lions previously to this. And <laughs> did, how many people am I pulling out of burning buildings to be able to not only watch Terror Train but talk about it with coffee? After your fifth burning building <laughs> that you survived, pulling people out of, you're like. I'm finally ready to watch Terror Someone Train. comes out of a room and is like, you're ready, and puts in what is still at the time a VHS cassette. So yeah, I remembered it was a Groucho mask from when I saw it as a in like junior high or something, or middle school, whatever you call that, fifth, sixth grade, yeah. and thinking it was odd. Like, did they uh, contact the Groucho estate? Well, it feels royalty-free Groucho. Like, you know, like when you go to a Halloween oh, superstore and there's like, Randy's secret agent and it's kind of Austin Powers <laughs> and like uh, you know hockey player yes. so yeah. the Groucho mask is basically if the R- Randy what did you call Randy's it? Randy's secret agent? Yeah if the yeah. Randy's secret agent mask just kind of became so popular or like ubiquitous it was like on every novelty rack and uh, on a rack at Halloween yeah. like it's so weird that is there any other well there's the Real life person. There was like Clintons and presidents and stuff. And then you see that in Point Break. But also those Groucho nose Mm -hmm. glasses and eyebrows, just that set were big. And I don't know how far those go back, but it makes me wonder too, because there was that renaissance for the Marx Brothers in the 70s. But this still feels late for that. And I don't know... Because Groucho oh, kind of became yeah. like the... Like cool. Cool for the college Him and set. like Humphrey Bogart were like yeah. the like... Yeah. But I never... I, I'm very... I bet very, that was partly it, right? They're college kids. Yeah, so, maybe. And if some college kids in the late 70s were going to be throwing a party where they get dressed up, I bet one or two of them is going to have that Groucho thing on. So. If you threw a party... 
and wore yourself a Groucho mask. I had a friend who um, thought the Golden uh, Girls theme was, um, uh, you know, you're a pal and a confidant. Yeah. It was, you're a pal and a comfort heart. <laughs> that's maybe a little better. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that should be the our now jingle for our podcast. You're a comfort heart. You're a comfort. Oh, you, you're my little comfort heart. Yeah. Paul. Oh, also, I wanted to say this. Speaking of comfort hearts, uh, lucky, lucky me. This is my third time this week. I get to do a pod that's with right. Matt Gorley. Oh, that's right. So we did our mailbag and commentary on Tuesday online. And then we both did Comedy Bang Bang yesterday online. And we were texting afterwards and you were saying, sorry if I seemed out of sorts on the Zoom because I had just watched Terror Train the night before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just shaking with fear. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could see... Uh, how I was white as a ghost. You were. You just seemed <laughs> my bottom lip yourself. Did it stop quivering? And I had not yet watched it, so I was fine, and I it, was worried about you. Now, you were pre uh, yeah. that experience, yeah, because people's lives, I think, are pre and post <laughs> when they saw Terror Train. I think so. I'm forever changed. I am in a way because I did kind of close that loop, or yeah, and that I was very aware of that watching the movie because. The sight and sound of it were so of that era. Like the cinematography on this thing is kind yeah. of that gauzy looking yeah. stuff. Yeah, John Alcott. About. Yeah, the Kubrick's dude. Yeah, and two thousand and one. Yeah, I think he started on two thousand one, and then did uh, Clockwork Orange and Barry Lyndon, and then I think he died before Full Metal Jacket. But uh, he would have done Full Metal Jacket. And the director Roger Spottiswoode is a James Bond director. Yeah, he did, uh, which one? The Tomorrow? The, my least favorite one. Ooh, Spottiswood. Yeah. Why is that one your... Oh, oh, because the um, last Bronson one is just like bonkers enough. Yeah. This one is just like bad, bad. This is the second one and it commits that mortal sin of not committing enough sins or good things where it's yes. just so middle of the road I'm sort of bored by bored. it but th- other people don't feel that way and I, I God bless you sure. I mean that's what's yeah. awesome about the Bond franchise I mean, yeah. you got everybody's got favorites and least favorites that's right same with these horror movies and that there's enough of them to go around yeah. that's like what's so great yeah it's and what I envy about my mom who is one of nine kids she can kind of like I think I've come in and out. She can like think about siblings in that way of just like I have a whole array. I can like them in different ways and for different qualities. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what my mom's on her majesty's secret services. (laughs) I think it's you of siblings. No, I think you're the Uh, what are you I mean for for me, you're like Casino Royale, Honor Majesty's Secret Service, and View to a Kill combined. Like, all the comfort. You're my com- you're my comfort heart. Well, I know how much you love those movies, yeah. so to be your comfort heart. Yeah. Uh, when you said which one it might, that reminded me, I had a question for us. Yeah. Because uh, uh, previously we've done it where we would be like, which of the three, or, or sometimes we do four, of Jason, Michael, yeah, Freddy. Yeah, the three. The three, yeah. which of the so-and-so, the three amigos they are. Yeah. I don't think we did that one. But. I think we did. Okay, good, good. Because we couldn't remember one of their names, remember? Yes. I think? Yeah, we were like, oh, Michael, Michael Myers. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I thought of one. 
of those three, of Jason, Michael, and Freddie, which one is the Jason, the Michael, and the Freddie? You've blown my mind. So you're thinking that it's possible that at some meta level they're not really true to themselves as much as they are another? Yes. Or which one of the others has the quality that's most, like, in alignment with the... I guess I gotta go Michael and Jason seem the most related to me. Yeah. So Michael is Jason in the... Of those three. Yeah. And then... <laughs> that just leaves Freddy out. <laughs> well, or do can do can they have to rotate? Can there be any other permutations to this, or is there only like two? Is it like you can only do one? I can do it. Okay, okay. okay. Jason is Michael because they're both kind of silent stalkers. Mm-hmm. Michael is Freddy because he likes to do his little Halloween pranks and stagings in uh, the suburbs. Yeah. Uh-huh. And Freddy is Jason because they're both kind of more scarred up. Hey, all right. That was a reach. No, that was not that was a, a reach. reach. You answered my question that I brought up that was a little bit of a baffling question. So you handled it. But yeah, uh, holy moly, you said it. A lot of thoughts and feelings about Terror Train. So just what it went like yeah. you said, great, bad, in between. It's the opposite of tomorrow never uh, yeah, dies. That, yes, and for that reason, I'm big on this movie i'm big on the experience of it even if it's definitely at times strange problematic and yet familiar and within a formula as Mm. well it just threw me even as you were saying the freddie michael jason thing i'm thinking like oh what if we added what's this killer oh kenny and then you're like oh they're kind of even going for the name thing kenny freddie Jason, Michael, like the kid name kind of thing. Yes. Oh, totally. Yes. And the fact that like this person was, I I hadn't known about the dream part, but that the creator was just like, let's put Halloween on a train. And so uh, if you're a Halloween fan, you get to kind of see, I mean, for me, the main like takeaway, what I thought about it was just like, when I was watching this, I just was fully like, this is Laurie Strode in college. Like I didn't even like, I was even, this is, Ellis from Die Hard in a prequel. Yes. Hart Bachner. You, you can totally see the umbilical cord between uh, the Hart Bachner's character in this and then Ellis. That yeah. could be Ellis in college. Yeah, He's like he a frat die, guy. Yeah, that's why it felt exactly like it was Ellis. I mean, and we'll get to it, but there's a moment Hart Bachner, I think, was a bit of an out of control actor in a scene. He's like, yeah. did you see it? Yes. Where? He's throwing around like Jamie Lee Curtis hard. It doesn't look like a third year drama training, <laughs> combat, combat training. No, you're right. It looked a little reckless. And correct me if I'm wrong, people can go back. There's a moment where Jamie Lee Curtis is in the moment and she is scared and Hart Bachner starts to break. He kind of like oh. starts to smile or laugh because it's funny to him to see her invested in this way or something. I'm, I don't think I'm projecting because I don't think that's sh- what. But share a story I read that might shed some light on this. Ooh, yes. I did go on a bit of a deep dive, specifically about Derek Good. McKinnon, the guy who plays Kenny, because I was just fascinated. I had no idea of the twist in this movie. Me neither. From the get go, didn't you, even know there was a twist. I didn't either. Yeah. And from the get-go, you know they're like it's 
I think they're trying to keep it a mystery, but even the movie itself is like, well, obviously this is Kenny who's doing this. The twist would be if it's not Kenny, but then the right. secondary twist Good is... Good way of putting it, yeah. Yeah. So I was curious what the story was with this guy. And uh, so they found Kenny because he did a drag show in Montreal. So he was already like schooled at kind of the art of drag. Yeah, and so people know in this... Yeah, the the big the twist is that he's posing as the magician's assistant. Yes. So if they went to a drag show and saw somebody, they would go, "Oh, this person could play this character." Got yeah. It. So he took his that famous story you hear a lot of taking your friend to the audition and the friend doesn't get it, and they, in the waiting room they go, "Hey, why don't you audition?" That's what happened to him. But the more I read this, there's a long interview with him online. If you just Google his name, it pretty much comes up because there's not a ton more out there because he, he he did some other things but his career wasn't let's say a lifelong career did he do other movies he did but they're nothing you've really heard of in some independent projects but you start to learn through this interview that Derek McKinnon his his recollection of the history of his career might be a little skewed okay because <laughs> so he tells the story about how working with Hart Bachner was difficult because Hart Bachner was such a method actor but then in like a couple more paragraphs he's talking about his fight scene with Jamie Lee Curtis saying or after the shoot that it was difficult for him because Kenny was living with him for 10 days and he couldn't get rid of Kenny <laughs> okay and there's just a lot of like self-aggrandizing. You should take him to the, South Park. <laughs> Kenny gets killed every day out there. He did not get along with the director uh. and said he barely interacted with Jamie Lee Curtis. He said the director kept him from the rest of the cast kind of as a method sort of thing. But the more you read <laughs> yeah. it, the more you kind of get... I think Kenny, Derek himself, might have been a little bit of a problem. <laughs> He also didn't work much more, but he says that that was um, the system kind of came against him. Like, okay. He also says now, this is not me trying to refute this. That sure. that he says in this interview that this 20th Century Fox, because he was gay, got him married so that he wouldn't be a problem for them. But like, this is the early 80s at this point, and it's not the studio system from the 40s. And I know that that was still an issue at the time. But I don't, I don't know that he was being groomed to be a major star. So I, I just found that <laughs> you don't think he was Rock Hudson. No, and he even mentions Rock Hudson in this in this article. So Derek's view of this whole thing is a fascinating read in itself, and I want you to come to your own conclusions. I took away from it that maybe there's two sides to the story. Now that being said, getting back to the fact that he was hired for his drag performance, like. He's incredible in this movie. Yes. And I don't know why we're not hearing more of... Is it just because this movie didn't become a franchise that you're not hearing more of Kenny as a great horror killer? Ooh. Yes, because he has... If if there was sequels and Kenny came back again and again... Which is possible in his ending. Like, killers have come back from... Far worse fates. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah, if he did come back having this kind of like... Uh, a killer who ha can have the uh, elements of magic at his disposal. <laughs> oh my God. To, and I don't mean sorcery. I mean, like, he's a magician yeah. and he's using practical magic to. That's going to be covered on our hardcore podcast as well. 
<laughs> the um, Sandy B and yeah. Nicole, yeah. Nikki K. We're going to scream Joey. about it for 10 to 15 minutes. <laughs> that is interesting as hell to, because he doesn't really use magic as a killer in this, except the, how Moe's killed. You don't quite understand how that happened. He kind of disappears and appears. In the bathroom. when the No. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's boyfriend when he's killed in the, during the magic show. Oh, yeah. But I also thought the like... How the conductor gets tricked by the body switcheroo in the bathroom yeah. is like a magic trick of sorts. And then just that he was posing as the assistant the whole time. So maybe it's less magic tricks and more uh, Fletch. Yeah, but I'm with you. I'm thinking that's where the franchise goes is he becomes the magician killer and he kills using illusions and stuff yeah. like that. And that is untapped. Yeah, and also just the right, the... Uh, I don't think mistaken identity is the best word because that's sort of like when it's all out of control. But like somebody who can change identities yeah. to like get through. Um, it's like that instead was also of a, an, a comedy of errors, it's a horror of errors. You know. Oh my gosh! If you had a threes company like oh. horror episode oh. where Jack thinks he murdered <laughs> both of, of the this girls, is yeah. In a way. Well, I, I I saw somebody. It was like a. It's probably on the Wikipedia or something, but it was like uh, somebody's response. The uh, 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 a view of the movie was like it's about illusion and whether it's like tricks that are being pulled like pranks or a magician uh. or the plot. It's kind of characters who can see the illusion for what it is get ahead, and the people who get tricked by die interesting and I read that after I saw the movie I was like oh that's interesting because when I was watching the movie I thought it was like about uh, the like tension of can you take a joke or not yeah it was like the ongoing sort of like to the point where like I love that the conductor initially somebody goes like are you gonna go back there to the d- conductor and check th- uh, check on those kids and he goes Oh yeah, but I don't want to be a wet blanket. (laughs) Like I was like, everybody is so terrified about seeing like the wet blanket in this movie. It really (laughs) figures in every choice that's being made. Is like, are you going to be a wet blanket or not? Are you willing to party or not? I don't know. Jamie Lee Curtis in the beginning, she can tell she's reluctant to do this prank, but she does it. Yeah. Well, it's the old trick somebody with a corpse prank. Okay. Holy moly! I mean. we got to get into that. But before even that, <laughs> am I wrong? This is a good script. No, I, I think so too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they also cover a lot of things logistically. There's fairly, and I'm talking for a slash. No, movie. no, no. Yeah. yeah, there's not as many holes as. No, and there's. I can't think of any holes right now. No, and there's good, fairly good character, again, for a slasher movie. Maybe at times it's even overwritten because the continuing B story of the Winnebago versus the train, (laughs) they they come back to that two or three times to check in. Like, has anyone changed their view on a Winnebago versus a train? Well, it's a, uh, this is like 1980, right? Yeah. Shot in 79. Yeah. So I feel like. Maybe what's nice about it, those those sort of like subplots and and like focusing more heavily on a Loomis like character, mm. like with the train conductor. Yeah, I did not expect that that he's basically the main character. Yeah, me neither. When I was watching that, that surprised me. That I was like, oh, this is before. 
mean, you can look at it in a nice way, which is like it's before like people got cynical about the formula, yeah, and like just made it. I mean, I love Friday Thirteenth Five, but that's just like <laughs> such a like every six minutes there's either boobs or blood yeah. or both, and it is nice to go back and like this almost felt like a uh, Agatha Christie on a train who done it. It really at is, yeah, because yeah, it, it felt like it owed other parts to cinema other than I slasher. never even thought about yeah. that how Agatha Christie this is because I was just thinking like this took the Halloween slasher and then moved it forward a little bit because there's even in little ways, just the fact that he doesn't stay in one disguise, that he takes the disguise of the victim he just killed yeah. and moves forward, plus the magic angle. Yeah. Plus, and I, I think sometimes maybe Kenny got lost in slasher history because Sleepaway Camp does, I, you know, it's it's not the same thing, no, yeah. but they do something like it's that. a similar trick to the audience. Yeah, yeah. For, for the movie's purposes, it's trying to be, Sleepaway Camp is trying to be more lurid, because um, they don't even really make a judgment on it in this at all. Correct. Yeah. Other than just the problematic thing of the time that, guy. of course, anybody who's a bad guy is, yeah. you know, one of these things. But um, he, I think he got eclipsed because he's between Halloween and Sleepaway Camp. But I really like yeah. this guy. I know. I I do think it, I wonder if it's partly overlooked because it can be dismissed so quickly as a Halloween ripoff. And if you go, well, it sounds as good as Halloween, then people are like, well, then why watch it yeah. or something? Yeah. I, I do wonder why more people don't. Uh, um, because, yeah, I think Kenny as a really great slasher and then the Jamie Lee Curtis aspect that you were saying, like um, uh, how it advanced things, that this was like a move, it moved Halloween forward. Yeah. Like... Um, again, like if you view this as just like Laurie Strode goes to college, the fact that she's in a relationship with a guy with a boyfriend, but it's complicated is exactly what I would think Laurie would have when she yeah. goes to college. Yeah. Like, and the fact that like, again, like this, uh, disproving the whole thing of like the final girl, she can smoke pot. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Like her and her boyfriend are sharing it. Like I was she like, says oh, Lori. F word, Paul. <laughs> She's really, oh my gosh. If you, I don't know, it, it breaks my heart to imagine that Jamie Lee Curtis could have possibly been, uh, I mean, I love Sashers, but if she had just been relegated to like final goal territory, yeah. you watch Terror Train and you go, how could anybody watch this and not see her as like the movie star that she is? I like, know. When she can pull off being seduced by a magician with like a floating rose and make it work. I'm Who like, is the real creep in this movie? He's the real killer. He, he is a creep. What is, uh, he's like a little alien. He's like an alien with like a wig. Oh, apparently he had a really difficult shoot and vowed never to do movies again because of this movie. Good. <laughs> well, and that's not true because he's in Burt Wonderstone. But he plays himself, right? He said yeah. he'd never play a character again because according to Derek McKinnon, he had one line in his scene with him and he could not get it out. And Derek McKinnon, according to him, had to coach him through it and got him to do it. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, wait a minute. He, like... As an actor, he couldn't say it, or like he refused. No, unethical. as an actor, he couldn't get it out. And and you know, I'm sympathetic because it is 
like acting is not, I'm not trying to elevate it, but you yeah. do get out there sometimes and it's crazy how the simplest things are the most difficult thing yeah. to do. But totally. apparently they just had to keep doing the take over and over again. It was one line and he couldn't do it. Well, and I, hey, I couldn't step out on a stage at the MGM Grand and pull off a magic trick. I could. You want to say? What? We're at the MGM Grand. <laughs> The biggest magic trick is that you brought me to the MGM Grand. Fuck getting rid of the I mean, Statue the of Liberty. Cool. I brought the MGM Grand here, <laughs> and no one's wearing a mask. I think that's a plot point in Now You See Me or something. Is like, we moved the audience to a different venue at this magic that show. Movie. Okay, I'll get my rant out here uh, with magic <laughs> in the movies. Now You See Me, yeah. Burt Wonderstone, this, there's... There's a sequence where we watch him do a magic trick with cutaways to the audience mm-hmm. that goes on for maybe five minutes. Yeah. I fucking hate <laughs> magic tricks in movies. Yeah. It defeats. Hello, are you idiots? When you're on set, none of you ever goes, hey, if we cut away from a trick, this defeats being a magic trick I anymore. I agree. I agree. They're completely. not pulling it off in camera, and even if they do, it's kind of like, well, who cares? I'm here to see special effects and like performances. Especially not- now, you could do anything in one take and still <laughs> yes! digitally edit it. Yeah, the fact that they cut away for the levitation thing and the it's a waste of my time. Uh, also, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> Easy charged. Listening, uh- I, I, yeah, this one's a little amped. Look, we've had a little monster energy drink, and I mean that proverbially. I wouldn't touch that stuff. No, never. And if I did, I'd probably be able to pronounce proverbially. <laughs> but listen to me. I'm going back to the Derek McKinnon interview well. now. I love this. This is a great resource. Take this with a grain of salt. Apparently, because he was the assistant for Copperfield in these scenes, mm. and was behind him at times was privy to these tricks he had to sign a waiver that he wouldn't reveal any of the tricks but copperfield's doing store-bought magic and like the quarter the cigarette through the quarter was something that you could buy at toy stores and adam's things and it has a little collapsible opening that's spring-loaded i'm sorry to reveal this and then the big levitating thing, I know that's not store-bought, but it is if you go to a magic store in the 70s, you could buy these big yeah. tricks. Trust me, I did. <laughs> you bought the David Copperfield kit. I, I did. No, I was, what's that guy's uh, name? Blackstone? Oh, God. kits. Yes, that's right. Yeah. I was into magic when I was a kid, and I, I would like to make a public apology for that. Hey, I think every kid could have that interest. It's sort of what you do with it post-puberty. Yeah. I think it's the deciding. uh, (laughs) But I feel like, especially in this episode, the energy you can hear in my voice right now, people are probably going, of course that guy was into magic. It just sounds aggressive right now, and I apologize. (laughs) I was so aggressive when I said it's a waste (laughs) of my fucking time. By the way, I don't want to be seen as one of those like cranks who doesn't like magic in, in real life. I love to go to a magic yeah, show and be so dazzled is, I, I so love do it. I. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I am fascinated and very dubious of magicians and their personas. Yes. Persona, personae. People per- might have loved like, it. I'm ready to trash talk it. Oh, what David was that? Copperfield in this. Oh, yeah, He's, but I was going to say, did you see that magic show that was on Paul Amazon that I think Frank Oz directed it? In and of itself. Oh my god! I, I emo gonna, the magician. That's oh what I called god. it. T- tickle me emo. I I, <laughs> I, I did. I, have other people said emo the magician? T- no. Tickle me emo is so good. <laughs> Don't tickle me. I'm emo. 
listen, I think we're, I'm going to go with you on this because I think we might, there'd be a lot of people that disagree because my I understanding know, is and people I don't want to rain that. on people's parade. No, me they, either. But I also feel special. like I need to get this out. That felt like I was, I was at church when I watched <sighs> yes. that. And it, it, it made me, I don't know. I, I know, really it felt, disliked it. It felt manipulative because when they were all crying in the audience, if you just take one step back, and I know that's not the point, and I want people to enjoy it, but why were they crying? At times, he'd just go, you're a teacher. And the person would break down. And it's a magic trick, but there wasn't anything inherently emotional about it. Oh, I know. This that's- is a special episode of With Gorley and Rust. <laughs> oh, my gosh. There, I was... Uh... I wish, I wish I could have loved it. And my Me wife, too. I while we were watching it. it, she was like, come on. And the way she finally like, and I, I, I understood why she felt that way because it was kind of like, why am I being the cynic here watching this? But it was because I did feel, hey, I love being manipulated by what I'm seeing and watching and experiencing. Yeah. It's all about whether I see the seams of the manipulation. And I just, I could see the seams. I could too. And yeah. it was partially the the delivery of the patter and the speech was done in such a way where he's acting like he's just thinking of it for yes! the first time. Exactly. And, and that in anything, in preaching, in magic, in TED Talks, it it's where you see the hey. seams. And that's when you feel like you're manipulated because I want the person to just like, Come out with it. You've rehearsed this. There's nothing wrong with that. Deliver it like a, a speech. But this sort of, huh? I guess I am thinking this. Mm-hmm. You know, and I. You're saying exactly. Oh. That's exactly how I felt watching it. it. Was just sort of like, what's this, quote unquote, authentic way he's acting? That's like inauthentic. It it it, it, it called a attention to the like, yeah, uh, and. The hottest of the hot takes, Gorley. It's what makes it difficult for me to watch stand up most of the time. Is yeah. I can see that the aim most of the time and its effect on the audience is look at that person just going up and being themselves and like effortlessly being who they are. And I get so triggered <laughs> by like, I'm like, no. This is a very well-choreographed, rehearsed presentation of the personality that they want you to have. And you suckers are falling for it. Now, look, you could like be also like, yeah, I know I'm being a sucker and I love it. That's how most of my, I, for whatever reason, it's the combination of the... The artifice. The artifice of the quote-unquote authenticity. Yes. If it was just all artifice, if it was all authenticity... I'd love it. Yeah. But it's the like weird melding of the two that is very like church. Yeah. Churchy. The preacher laughs. Yeah. Yeah. I, the preacher laughs. The low, the soft bigotry of low expectations. And I, I couldn't be more with you. And I know you guys know if you've listened to any other episode than this, it isn't our, we aren't into taking things down. No. And so if you enjoyed it, God, just Love it even more. Yes. But that was something I felt like I needed to get off my well, chest. Because hey, I, I, I felt like the world was... I felt a little alone. And yeah. I was afraid to tweet it. Because I thought people were going to be like, you're raining on... Look, <laughs> that, that matters. But uh, I 
And if it makes anybody feel better, you and me separately are going to have 10 minutes on our own lives later after this podcast where we go, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. I know we are. We won't sleep at night. Yeah. And that's absolutely true. So have that be a comfort if... if <laughs> that we felt tortured having to Yeah, and share I think this. that guy's a talented magician. Of course. Like his tricks are really good. Of course. David Copperfield on the other <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'll say the other thing that my wife said to me that helped me. She was like, help me enjoy it. It was just like, oh, he's trying to do a new thing with magic. Like, I did think like, oh. Yeah. I in general, always love when somebody is just trying to do a new thing with something we've seen many times. It so is interesting cool. to plot that because magic has been the same for years and years and generations and generations. Then Penn and Teller come along and pull the curtain back and their yeah. whole thing is kind of a cynical thing. And then now it's evolved to... Sincerity. Yeah, sincerity yeah. and no irony. And I, I guess that just puts me more in the cynic camp, which I that makes me sad too. I'm not proud of that because I, I would take myself down a peg for that but then I learned have I told you the story of Penn and Teller no doing their TV show this was their first TV show not and the one where they're like that's good magic it might the be the most recent special oh no no like somebody would come and they're like yeah you <laughs> no. tricked me that was a good trick no <laughs> this was one where they were like in the Bahamas and there was a sunken submarine and they made it disappear and I had a friend who worked on it and they said you know the, the whole thing is like, here we go, the camera, there's no camera tricks. And then they cut to it and it's gone. And my friend goes, oh yeah, I worked on the crew. It was just camera tricks. They turned off the camera and removed the submarine. And so I do feel like if you're going to be cynical about it, you also can't. Ooh, right. You know, you can't do that either. So where are we left? Well, Paul? you're making me realize like the mode of attitude in a performer's persona you don't have many options. No, it's a narrow little... You're always going to have to be the, like, smarter... Your job requires you to be the smartest person in the room, and if you lean into that, you're kind of an asshole. <laughs> and if you play against it, you're an asshole because it seems almost like false modesty or yeah. something. It's tough. And so my hat's off to David Copperfield and the guy who did that other thing because I couldn't do it. Oh, you know the solution is. It's clear. The best mode of performance for a magician. What? You come out in like an oversized lab coat and it's like <laughs> you're the mad magician who can't believe the tricks that are being pouring coffee all over myself because I'm so excited by the idea of the mad magician. Who's more excited by the result of the tricks than the audience. <laughs> yes. Like what? How did that happen? Yeah, can you imagine me who laughs wildly at his own jokes might enjoy a magician <laughs> who takes more pleasure in his tricks than the audience? Maybe. Uh, but yes, going back to Copperfield in this movie, he's a, yeah, he's a creep. There's something about, I think he's starting out as a magician and really thinks his angle on magic is sexy charm. So he kind of seems to be leaning into like his, his gazes he holds, but I don't think he realizes how creepy they are. Yeah. Do you like when he was doing that creepy look hold, it reminded me of not just, um, pre quarantine times, but a pre, uh, Relation like when I was like single in 2006, just like when you'd be in a room with people, and then like there's a there's always like one or two people who are into the like holding the gaze thing. Yeah, 
Yeah. There, David Copperfield would be one of them. Yeah. There was a guy in grad school who used to love to <laughs> sing rock songs real close to you and stare at you in the eyes. Like, do you like this song? It's blah, blah, blah. And he would just sing and not stop until you stopped him. Oh. It was probably one of the worst offenses that's ever been done Maybe. to me. Because <laughs> you know what it is? He's combining everybody hates the guy at the party who breaks out the guitar and like starts like trying to get... So he's doing that. Plus, he's doing the thing when you go to a concert... And if like you're sitting in the audience and like yeah. Frank Sinatra locks eyes with you, you're like, oh, weird, don't, don't, don't. <laughs> He's combining both of those at a party. Imagine if you're in the audience at a David Copperfield show and he just locks eyes with you. <sighs> oh, gosh, that would be weird. Yeah. Because that would also mean like, am I going to be a mark? But is it then brilliant? Because it's the perfect misdirect. Usually a misdirect is like motion or something pleasing or or frenetic or something, but maybe he's got like the creepiest misdirect and you'll never see what he's actually doing with the trick and it's brilliant. Oh yeah. That's good, right? Like his that must be his But his, I don't know his if signature. He's aware of he locks it. you with his eyes. Yeah, but he and then thinks... meanwhile his hands like under the table like make it a buddy. <laughs> But he thinks he's like, I've got this lady. Well, there's nothing worse than like enduring the person who thinks they're charming or like sexy and they're not. Even if they are, it's like hard to endure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So yeah, with this, uh, where did this, how does this movie, I mean, I have my notes. I know, we haven't even gone into the notes and we're 43 minutes in. We are. This wonderful. I know. This may be the most we talk about a movie for an entire episode because I still have so much. Uh, me too. Me too. In my mind. Do you think we should take a TTPP break? A, a, yeah, TTPP. Yeah, a terror drain. A terror drain. That's good. <laughs> okay, we'll be right back. With Paulie and Rust. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. With Paulie and Rust. 
Okay, we're back. We're back. And uh, like the train in Terror Train and in the movie Unstoppable by Tony Scott. Ooh, that's a, that's a good one. We have left the station and we are full steam ahead. Hey, we got a little Silver Streak too. Oh, yeah. Uh, Silver Streak is a good, easy listening movie. I, I need to see I that. watched it on a sick day once in like fourth grade and... Brother, it cures what ails you. Oh, because I was, you know, I'm watching The Prisoner. And I th- isn't Patrick McGowan in that? Is he maybe the, I don't know if he's the bad guy or not. I th- when you said guy. that name, I was like, is he a bad guy? But I don't want to typecast a last name like McGowan. That could also be heroic. <laughs> it uh... just depends on how you uh, inflect it. Um, yeah, so Terror Train, uh, I, I don't know what copy you saw, but it started with a very shaky, warbly, scratched up 20th Century Fox logo. My first note is just the level of grain on the 20th Century Fox logo alone, and I was in. Yeah, do you think they like use that for their less uh, uh, um, respectable fare? Because I think this is like the only they... slasher move they did. Of oh, this really? Time. Yeah. It is interesting that it's 20th Century Fox and Die Hard. I don't know, but... <gasps> Bachner. Yeah. Yeah, you're and right. Just, just the enclosed And the concept. enclosed. Oh, my God. If Bachner had to face off with Kenny and uh, uh, um, John McClane. <laughs> and or, Hans Gruber. Yes. <laughs> it just feels like they took the original print and didn't do any work on it. Yeah. Although the movie itself is cleaned up a little bit, huh? I just heard that the they use different logos for Universal. Have you ever noticed that like sometimes the Universal thing will be like the globe flies in and flies out yeah. or it doesn't or but it's based on the um I think it's based on the uh uh scope of the movie. Oh. So it's like sense. an indicator of like you're seeing a, a a picture or maybe a B picture. So that's what made me wonder if they were like, oh, oh. Jesus, let's pull out this whole <laughs> rickety. Because, yeah, it's... It, but it does stand in contrast to the... I mean, I would say probably when I think back now about this movie, five years from now, if I look back on it, the thing I'll most think about is probably the atmosphere. Yeah. Just like the vibe of that cinematography, man. Oh. So it stands in contrast to this scratchy 20th Century Fox logo. Very much. Real quick on that Universal logo, here's yeah. a fun game to play. In the Ooh. more modern one, when it's playing that music, that boom, 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 yeah. and it ends with da-da-da-da-da. And you can play a game where you either sing along the Lollipop Guild or the Candyman Can, and don't tell yourself what you're going to do until it comes up <laughs> and see what comes out. Let yourself surprise you. Yeah. Wait, so it's the... Um, yeah, on that right before the last note, that the lollipop, the candy man can bump. Yeah, what do you? Choose to go to. I've been I've been you know changing it up and it's keeping it's keeping my marriage alive. <laughs> well, I like that they're both children's Wizard of Oz and uh, Willy Wonka. Yeah, they both know. Hey, kids, if you're watching this movie, we know you like candy. <laughs> I think there's one more and I can't remember what it is. Da-da-da-da-da. I think that's a John Williams too. It probably. I think is. he wrote the. Yeah, it feels like it. Um, and then you know the Morgan Creek logo was they made Robin Hood Prince of Thieves 
And they were like, that score is so good that they wrote for the Morgan Creek theme for the Robin Hood. We're just taking it. Who wrote that score? Maybe James Horner? I was going to guess, if I had to guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, the um, uh, just with this, um, I mean, I mentioned it, the, uh, the cinematographer, John Alcott, um, there is moments this that look like The Shining. Yeah. It has, like, cinematography like The Shining. Particularly when they step out of the train, there's a moment when, like, the kind of white, bluish-looking snow falling down feels yeah. like when they step out. But um, very much so, there's a train car that has, like, green art deco. It looks like the bathroom. And then there's a bar inside that very same train car, and it has, like, light-up mm. um, Countertop countertops. Countertops. Yeah. And I think the thing that makes him special in his movies is, like, he does... Practical. Most of it's practical lighting. It's light lighting you can actually see in the shot. And and did you read this that like he set them on dimmers so yes. they could quickly set up shots? And they were out. A lot of them were outside the the cars because the cars were put into a warehouse individually that they would shoot through the night. And they had lighting on the outside that would come in through the windows a lot. And he could put them on dimmers. As oh well. my gosh! I totally believe that's outside. Like. That train car exists outside yeah. when I'm watching that movie. Yeah. I didn't know it was in a... And I know, yeah, like with The Shining, those big, like, what looks like the sun is just like huge lights that are just shining through the... Shining through the <laughs> windows. But, yeah, like, when I heard that those lights were on dimmers, I was like, that is cozy. I know. I know. Super cozy. And apparently he did a lot with handheld, like, pen lights, like doctor's pen lights, so that Ooh. they would shoot and he would be shining that in the actor's eyes and... Derek McKinnon again, back to Derek, would get annoyed by that because it was bright in his eyes. But I think that's what's like he was saying, like they needed that light to show you that it was Kenny under that mask, like his uh, eyes and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, so the the pen lighting would like come in hand. I mean, it does look so like intimate. Yeah. And it feels like you're on a cozy train. Mm -hmm. And then when they go out in the snow, it feels like you're happy to be inside the cozy train, even yeah. though it's dangerous in there. Where was the train? Did they ever say where it was beginning and where it was ending? Was no. there a destination? Were they going to go somewhere after the train? Or Yeah, so at the very beginning of the movie... Oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm mixing it up because the beginning of the movie feels like also the scene when they're getting on the train, but that's right. three years previously. There's a long, cold open, which is sort of rare for a slasher film. Yeah. Too. I love that um, when a movie has an opening and then does three years later. That's fun. Yeah, yeah. I did not... When we got to the title, Terror Train, I had forgotten that we hadn't seen the titles yet because it had been in the oh, movie same. for a while. Yeah. Um, well, at the beginning, I like that um, the music that they are listening to when they're waiting outside before the prank is yeah, pulled yeah. is just like the like rock and roll is the music oh. that... And this is just like that really funny 70s rock that was like, not even music you could dance to. It was no. just like party rock that yeah, was like played. Yeah, it's like like television or um, the band or or uh -huh. like it's like punk pop from the eighties. Yes, yeah, blonde, I, blonde, like cheap blondie without the singing of blondie. Or and something. I like that the music like three years later that it's all disco. Like, yeah. like if this, do you think this is like seventy seven? Oh, right. Or do you think this is 1980 and then it's three years later and the events of the movie actually take place in 1983? You're talking about the band on the train, Crime? 
Crime. I didn't know that was their name. <laughs> that was it's on their drum. Spelled C R I M E. Yes. It should uh, be C R Y M E, but yeah, or K R Y M E, like something cool. <laughs> it made me. This movie made me watch the trailer for Prom Night, which I've never seen. Me and either. That's like super disco, and I'm sort of bummed that we didn't put it in this ten, but glad for the next ten we yes. do because that for sure. If you oh. want to see that movie, don't worry, I'll put it in, and you can save a pick because uh, yeah, because is this was this shot in Canada? You said Montreal? yeah. So Montreal. do you think to answer your question the like. The beginning and stop. Like, is this a Canadian university, or uh, they want us to think it's yeah, America? Yeah, I think by default, yeah, and because yeah. Derek McKinnon was Canadian, so I think a lot of the actors might have been Canadian. Was he? Um, or yeah, because one of the actors I remember said "sorry." Oh, I was like, that's it. I think maybe Jamie Lee Curtis's. I'll quit calling her that. What's her character's name? Do you remember? Yeah, what is I in all of the things I wrote? It was just Lori. I was like, Lori, <laughs> let me see, doing this. Lori did that. <laughs> um, but her boyfriend, I felt like maybe Mo, Mo is his name. He's Mo, yeah. That's not like from Mo's Tavern of the Simpsons. That's not the same character, right? For the Simpsons, it's not the same. He's a little different. He might have been. Oh, inspired. right. He's human. And Mo and the Simpsons is animated. You'll that. never guess what her name is. I watched that whole movie. I had no idea that oh this is her name. Tell me. Al- Alana. No. But. Oh, that's Alanis. I was I got excited oh. about a Canadian Alanis. <laughs> and because they kept saying Michelle, but they kept calling her Mitchie. Who? Her friend? Yeah. Well, the names are really kind of mixed up because it's funny that you said David Copperfield will only play himself because I was like, is he playing himself? They don't ever say... His name, he's credited as the magician. Huh. But early on, I couldn't tell, was this movie retro-engineered to put David Copperfield in? Then when you watch the whole movie, you realize, no, that's not the case. I think that's a big enough part of the script that they would have probably found David Copperfield for this. Yeah, but when you're watching it, it does feel like... What hands were... David Copperfield shaking to get in this movie that somebody was like I even this had is thought, a get like is he does he have a publicist that was able to get a movie made around him was this all <laughs> done for David Copperfield was he's like the greatest trick Copperfield ever played <laughs> he's like these Hollywood Halloween movie uh, killer movies are money in the bank <laughs> just put a magician in one people I'm see creepy. me yeah, yeah let's do it uh i mean it is funny with the uh, john alcott of it all because i i think timeline wise the last movie he worked on before this was the shining and i was like oh. thinking it's so funny he went from setting up a camera and lighting to photograph a performance from jack nicholson and then the next one is setting up a camera to photograph a magic show by David Copperfield. Do you think that's on purpose? Because I could see where he came off The Shining and went, Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, I just let's have do fun. A, this movie shot in like 25 days or something. And he's like, I just want to do something simple. I could see that. Maybe just like, yeah, it's an experiment to shoot something inside a train. And, yeah. yeah. And I think Roger Spottiswood had some cred because he was the editor of The Wild Bunch. And that's why mm. Ben Johnson, the conductor... He did this movie, apparently, according to the internet, sight unseen. He didn't read the script because he was so um, enamored and became a friend of Roger Spottiswood on the set of The Wild Bunch. Oh. Okay, so yeah, uh, Ben Johnson. 
He's the, he plays the conductor, a big Western actor. Yeah, Wild Bunch. He's in Red Dawn when they all like first escape out of town and go to that general store to collect the goods. He's the one going like, "Here, take this, take this. Now, really? don't you come back till you hear from me." Oh my goodness, God, man! With Red Dawn, John Milius was just like, "I'm going to cast every oh yeah masculine character actor oh, yeah. Western dude." I love that. Movie. There was it felt like a very Western moment in that scene where he's trying to tell the boy with the axe who wants to go in and kill that Indian. Oh, yeah. You got to think about your yes. village here and maybe you don't want to use that axe, boy. And then like the whole village being like, yes, sir, yes. Like I was like, what? <laughs> Did they only convince him to do this movie by being like, don't worry, there'll be a scene where you talk to the town about like they can't get to a sheriff scene. Okay, so I have to tell you about Ben Johnson according to Derek McKinnon. <laughs> Please. <laughs> um, okay, so according to Derek McKinnon, first of all, they all had to write backstories of their characters, which they turned into the writer, and the writer, according to Derek McKinnon, incorporated a lot of that into the script. He also said that there was a storyline where his character, the magician's assistant, not Kenny, was the love interest of the conductor. <laughs> okay? And that's why she was on the train. Because as a guest, to, and like why the whole magic show is there, because he had kind of brought her aboard. Wait, wait, wait. So that he's having an affair with uh, the the magician's assistant played... Who, who is Kenny? Yes. In secret? Yes. Okay. And so they had a kissing scene in the movie that Derek McKinnon did not want to do for fear of perception in the 80s. It was a tough time. But, but Ben Johnson was... Well, wait till you hear this. So not only was Ben Johnson okay with it. All right. So this is Derek in his words. Okay. So he was supposed to be my love interest and I didn't want to go that route. So this is where it comes into the writer versus me. They just basically said, Derek, you know, this would be fantastic. And I was really upset. I mean, I'm dealing with a nominated, like, you know, an Academy, Academy Award winning star. At that point, I'd never met Ben. Okay. And I was just, oh, totally freaked. And it was the 1980s and you don't kiss another man, not Ben Johnson. And so I got really, really upset. You know what he did? He called me in my trailer and said, you get your fucking butt over here now now. I go over there and he is holier than thou. I walk in and say, Mr. Johnson, he says, number one, my name is Ben. Number two, what the fuck's wrong with you? I said, I just don't feel it's right. He looked at me and he says, what are you afraid of? I said, well, you've won your academy. He says, Derek, I'm going to tell you right now, you're one of the best female roles I've ever seen in my life. Just remember, it's just a part. That's all it is. I said, yeah, but then I don't want you to. And he said, it's not about me. If the audience is not that fucking smart, it's not your fault. And that was all it was all about. He said, I don't have a problem. <laughs> Isn't that kind of beautiful? <laughs> if it's true, yeah. Ben Johnson's like uh, 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 a beautiful person. I, I don't know what to make of it because, again, you have to read this whole interview and you start to see cracks in Derek's uh, <laughs> well, remembrance of all this. I like that he has that memory of Ben Johnson. I know. Um it it did sound like maybe it was a magic trick that was being pulled in that story. I, I don't know how. I know. I, I, reading that entire interview doesn't help the 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 validity of that story, which is that he was like, and that's. Uh, I remember later that day, uh, Snagopus and Huckleberry Hound dropped by the set. 
<laughs> I don't know. This is why I'm so charged today because this movie, I don't fully know what to make of it. The recollections of the stories of it, I don't quite know what to make of it, but I do know this, that I'm like so fascinated by all of it. Yeah. Well, the movie's a whodunit, but it's also like a how done it, yeah. why done it, yeah. where done it. How did it happen? Yeah. How did it happen done it? And yet you can trace every moment. You can see why it happened and how things happened, but just how it all came together that way is special to yeah. me. Yes. And when I was like going to say like, on my unique experience watching it, I was like, oh, I haven't watched a... Because I'm either relegating myself to rewatches of stuff. I haven't watched, like, a movie of the bizarre or something in a while. Yeah. Like, that I haven't seen before. That I was just like, oh, there's so many strange things happening in this movie that I'm loving. And then, yeah, the fact that the twist... Nobody had like tapped me on the shoulder and been like, there's a twisted terror train. I wasn't even prepared for me it. Either. And then the fact that I got, I mean, when I saw the magician's assistant, I did think, oh, that's not a conventional looking magician's assistant. I did too. But I didn't then go, oh, it's Kenny. Or that's part of the plot that it's Something registered in me as... Like, I just took note in a way, and, and right as I was starting to process those thoughts, because I watched this with Amanda, she goes, that's Kenny. And she called it right away. Uh. And then it was answered for me, because I don't know if I was heading to discover that on my own or not. Because also, though, everyone's ADR'd in this movie, so when he's a- ADR'd with a female voice at one point, you don't really question right. it. If everybody wasn't ADR'd and that happened, I think it would send up a flag, but... yeah. Man, do you think they built it all from that point forward? They're like, we know we're going to have to ADR. Kenny is the magician assistant. So all the actors of Ben Johnson's like, even me? <laughs> even Art, you, Ben? Art I mean, Bachner's like, no, I don't do ADR. <laughs> His casting is like, um, uh, yeah, very Donald Pleasance, which yeah, is like, super. you're doing what people might think is a low genre movie. But hey, if you cast, yeah, he's an right. Oscar winner. Yeah. You cast somebody and it gives it some legitimacy, which I always think is like kind of a funny choice because they give legitimacy in that they're good actors. So you're just happy a good actor is like in these scenes or a great actor even. But like, I don't think the teenage audience going to these movies need the Ben Johnson it's a seal crazy of approval. Phenomenon. It's the same thing with Peter Cushing and Alec Guinness in Star Wars. You're kind of getting people on their as their careers are sort of uh-huh. not on the downturn, but they just had not their at peak. their peak. Yeah. yeah, and so I think you get them at a at a discount, but you also get the cred of their careers coming with it to rise your. It's a win win. Yeah, but you're right. Is it for the audience outside the target audience? Is it like... Maybe. Hey, we know we'll get some just... <laughs> hey, you that age bunch. set of coming to a Star Wars movie or... Maybe. I mean, in this I case, I would say it is you're getting a pretty good actor. He's pretty good in this and he's very sympathetic and kind. Oh, I love his character. Yeah, and yeah like he gets that like full scene talking to the woman at the train station before he goes... I mean, it's funny. He is Loomis-esque in that there was a point towards the end of the movie where I'm like, 
why are we with him? Why are we fall? I don't <laughs> I care. Know. Like, get back to the killer and I Lori. And I was like, oh, it is Halloween. I'm like, yeah, yeah. The frustrated that we're watching this kind of like, duh, what's a, a doting isn't the right word because that means you low doddering. Yeah, uh, what's a, just, th- there's some points where he's just kind of like not solving cases. <laughs> it's just kind of like puttering. He's, he's puttering he around. Because a failing Winnebago lot. Did I understand that correctly? Now, when you said the Winnebago <laughs> thing earlier, I totally missed this. I don't, oh, you did? Yeah. It's in like at least two scenes. He's he owns a Winnebago lot? Well, at first, he's just looking at a Winnebago and a guy comes in and is like, I'm team train. And he's saying like, oh, Winnebago is better. And he's like, well, a train doesn't take gas. And and this is where I like the writing. And, and then Ben Johnson goes, oh, well, what, what if you want to do this, this, or take a hard left turn? You can't on a train. And then they come back to it and you learn that he has or does own a Winnebago lot and there's been a big downturn in the industry so maybe that's why he's back to conducting trades. Oh, it's not clear but it's a an great, interesting backstory. Yeah. Oh, well that reminds me interesting backstory when the the scariest moment in the movie for me was when it was revealed that Kenny had killed somebody before the prank. Yeah. I was like that is a good wait. It was wasn't it after the prank? No, it was like oh, he was already messed up. Oh, with people and life and death before that thing happened, and now he's like, it really worked for me as like a backstory for a killer because it. You're always a little queasy on the easy answer of it all. Like, yeah. oh, it was that one moment yeah. that turned them. So to kind of find out that somebody was just like a little off and they did something, I think the backstory was sort of like, he never got charged. It was like... Do you know who he killed? Because Derek talks about this in the interview. He killed his mom. Ooh. Yeah. Psycho. I know. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I guess it's also like Psycho because he's dressing up. You, there's a... The audience is getting tricked about one's who's the killer and then who's this woman. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating too that he you learn retroactively that he was a magician in college, but that why isn't he the magician doing the show? Okay, yeah. That I wanted to ask you cuz this was the most confusing thing for me in the movie was the explanation that Bachner gives to uh uh Alana 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 uh that is why he thinks it, it is the magician? That he thinks Kenny is the magician? Is that what? Yeah. Oh, I why guess does that, he think that he opens a book and he points to him and he's like, this is Kenny grown up? It must be. And I guess you could kind of see a resemblance because for a while I was thinking, are they are they like brothers or something? Is the I, I thought David Copperfield was in on it for a while. Yeah, until me you too. Find him dead. Yeah, yeah I think especially when they're going like, oh, the magician wasn't booked. So then that begs the question, who did? Yeah, yeah. Magician well, self-booked? I think the, the assistant was having an affair with Ben Johnson. Oh, got the duh. It was the magician's assistant somehow got him on the train. Yeah. She wanted to be there. Duh, duh, yeah. Duh, duh. yeah. I, I mean, I think the plot basically holds up. It's just... It would do for a second watch I think it's just yeah. only for you to really take in the Winnebago train <laughs> please <laughs> debate there is like a couple like iffy moments where I was like that doesn't really it makes 
uh, uh, the conductor, despite his failed Winnebago business, a bit of a dummy. <laughs> uh, like he sees blood in that bathroom all over the place, and then yeah. he doesn't see it. And if the movie maybe gave us a moment where he kind of goes like. Maybe I'm getting old and I'm seeing things and I'm embarrassed that I'm seeing things and I'm not just not going to tell people. Then that would help me a little bit more because otherwise he's just like, (laughs) and and he pauses a little bit too long putting together the like how that woman's throat was slit and then she was last seen with the lizard costume guy who mysteriously was switched in the bathroom like. Yeah. Maybe it is because he's an older guy. Well, I think you're right. It, you need something like that. Because also, I found it weird that when Mitchie's dead and he's going to show Jamie Lee Curtis that she was there. You fully expect it to be another body's gone. Yeah. And that would be kind of a through line. It Especially was when it's like 40 minutes to go. Like, Not he a lot showed of people her, getting killed for like, a while. I was like, man, they're in, in an enclosed space. Both protagonists are aware there's a killer on the train and they're going to sustain this for the next like... 40 minutes yeah. I was uh, they did I was like impressed by now it took them like stopping the train and people getting off and getting back on and how did they get people back onto the train was it oh he said you're gonna die out here so we don't I don't want to go back on that train either but you're gonna die out here if we stay out here all night and that's because by that point he knew it's a magician and it's like a ruse to get people back on so the magician lets his guard down so they can I'm asking all these plot things I don't, don't even matter. know about that I think they got off in panic and realized they couldn't stay out there. But they it's interesting how they do take pains to say, like, there's no radio on the train, so they can't call for help. Mm-hmm. They even talk about reversing and going back, but it would be too slow yeah, because they might hit the train coming down the track at them. And the whole, like, thing of, like, hey, we're trying to have fun here. We're not going to, like, bring this down with, like, your rules and figuring yeah. out, like, why, what happens if things happen. Also, when this movie started, I was, for some reason, blown away that this was on a steam locomotive. In my mind, this was on kind of, like, an Amtrak passenger train sort of thing. Oh, yeah, because there's one point where Ben Johnson asks, like, one of the nerd frat guys, like, hey, can you uh, uh, shovel coal? Oh, really? I didn't yeah. catch that. <laughs> Caught that, didn't catch the Winnebago subplot, which breaks my heart. That would have added so much to the movie if I was like, this guy has a failed business and he doesn't really want to be conducting right now. And was the woman in the wheelchair his wife or or just a friend? Um, Yeah, I couldn't tell if it was like a money penny sort of situation or it's just like a, they've always had kind of a sweetness to their working relationship. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot you can bring to this movie. Well, it's you like want The Shining. The, yes. In so many respects, this yes. is like The Shining. There's <laughs> gaps that are left there intentionally, so you fill them up. Uh, yeah, I love the opening shot of the um, train in the... Um, it's like in a station and uh, the smoke around it. Yeah. It's just when the titles are coming up because it made it look like a kind of like a gothic castle yeah. or something yeah uh, there are a couple of really amazing shots of wide shots of the train and its steam trail as the train's moving ooh, yeah. but the steam trail really isn't because the sh- they were locked shots and they were pretty cool i love um one of my favorite books to uh read to my daughter is this book night train and it's a poem but it's also just such a soothing book because it's oh. about a train that starts as the sun is going down and then is like pulling in the station as the sun is coming up. Oh. And that vibe of like a train at night. Uh, um, have you ever slept on a train, Gorley? 
I don't think so. Or slept up or had a, one of those, what would you call them? Trains with beds. I guess actually I have. I was on a 26-hour train ride down to Mazatlan for my high school graduation, <gasps> but we didn't have beds. We just had seats, and I had shy kidneys and couldn't pee for 26 hours. Whoa. I why? Just, some, like, have you ever heard of that? Sometimes, no. Like, sometimes you just can't pee when there are people around, and that, for some reason, when I was younger, that, or really just on that trip, I just was so self-conscious for some reason. Oh, I definitely know about that phenomenon. I didn't yeah. know it was called dry kidneys. That's, wow. I, shy kidneys. I think shy that's kidneys. like a, a casual term, but I got down to Mazelon, ran straight into the water to pee and got stung by a jellyfish. And then a day or two later, got pneumonia and had to fly oh, home. Oh, <laughs> no. That was your terror train experience. It was my terror train experience. Maybe that's why this movie resonates with me in a way I can't reconcile well it's funny because when they pulled up uh i thought it was a school sanctioned thing at first so when later it was explained that these like frat guys are rich these medical students can now like live it up and run out a train and stuff um but uh yeah when they first rolled up i was like this was not my college experience this was not my high school like i envy you got grad night at disneyland i assume or i went to Another school's grad night as a date. Oh my god! To Disneyland, SoCal kids got it yeah, so great. I guess so. I mean the the magician when all everybody was gathered. I love their wholesome, enthusiastic response to this magician. By the way, this movie like having like college kids be like, yeah, yeah, and then turn on him quick. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I I was I had so many mixed feelings during that magic act because. The whole time I'm like, it's so crazy and cheesy, but also to just be in a train car watching a yeah. close magic show like that would be amazing. I know. <laughs> well, it reminded me, I think we talked about, about after prom parties, like oh, yeah. our school had one and that's what it felt like to me, which is kind of like a group of people who are all peers, but not necessarily friends gathered yeah. late at night to watch entertainment is like a very particular odd, experience. Yeah. 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 And we wouldn't get magicians. We would get uh hypnotist. Oh yeah. yeah. And I referenced Kenny earlier, uh, South Park Kenny. Yeah. Uh, this hypnotist, he clearly like every three years just slotted in a new catchphrase, oh. pop culture thing that he would have one. Of. And the thing I most remember is that he got somebody to stand up and go, Oh my God, they killed Kenny, which is just the lowest drawer form of entertainment. Oh my God. (laughs) And then, so that was my junior year. And then my senior year, I'm like, I'm going to get hypnotized. You're going to go up and get hypnotized. Yeah, Yeah. I want that experience. And clearly everybody's getting hypnotized. This hypnotist must be great because he's hypnotized everyone seemingly. And then I get up there and I realize I'm not getting hypnotized. And it, it hits me to get hypnotized, you're either an idiot or a liar. Yeah. What, yeah. Anytime I saw somebody, I'm like, oh, so when that person got hypnotized before, they were either an idiot or a liar? Or they're like what I would be, which is I cannot bear to let this guy's act fail if I'm on stage, like that kind of thing. So if even if I'm present at the worst magician, I give him the most encouraging eyes I possibly can because I just, my heart goes out to anybody that's doing that kind of thing. Why doesn't it for me? Well, you're probably right because hypnotists are charlatans and it's full of bullshit. (laughs) No, no, no. But like, I usually have that like, like I was watching a band once and, uh, 
this band Quasi is really cool. And the mic stand, he's an organ player, uh-huh. a piano player, and his mic stand fell over. And then somebody from the audience went and picked up the mic stand for him, and then he kept singing. And I was watching that thinking, like, that is a rock star. Yeah. He doesn't go, thank you, to the person. Oh, he just he like lets somebody bring up his mic stand. He keeps playing. And I was watching that thinking that. And my friend next to me, she went, you would have thanked that person, right? Yeah, as well you should have. I know, but it is like the, <laughs> with the hypnotist. <laughs> I should normally have the relationship of being the person who wants to help and put up the mic stand and also say thank you to getting, but so in that moment, I, I think, oh, oh, it was like, this probably is the way he figures out who's going to like do it or not. Oh, did you get dismissed? Yeah. And yeah. I think I had the anonymity of a bunch of people were all up there at once. Yeah. I could see maybe if it was like me and me alone, I was supposed to get hypnotized that I'd be like, ooh, maybe I got to help this guy out. Yeah. But it was like, raise your hands. When I get down to 10, your hand will still be up in the air. Oh, and mine just yes. like kept That's dropping. That's exactly right. Yeah. And then he came by and like patted me on the shoulder, like tapped me on the shoulder, like sit back. That's a hundred percent what it is. Yeah. And he's just, yeah, he's weeding it out. He's like the, the same thing with a magician who does a forced card. When you think you're picking a card, he's oh, forcing it. Uh, or meaning whatever card you've chosen, he's forcing it to the top of the deck or she, and they, they get it to it. It's a, just how most every card trick is, has its foundation and it just yeah. depends on how you deliver it. Huh. It's yeah. like, um, I didn't know this until a few years ago that like beer, all kind of like basic beer all tastes the same. Yeah. And so it really does come down to like the bottle is yeah. put in yeah. the label that it has. And then the commercials that go along with it, that make you want to taste this particular type of yeah. thing. wine and microphones too, to a certain extent. It's like they're different to a certain extent, then it's all bullshit opinions. <laughs> You're right. Because wine and microphones, anybody that has anything to do with them has such strong opinions on them. And I don't really, other than just what we're using. <sighs> oh my gosh. Could you imagine a sound a sound check where you go back to the sound guy and he's getting the gear set up and he's drinking like wine <laughs> and he has very strong opinions about both. But he's holding his microphone like a wine glass <laughs> like this. They should combine those. I know. I know you drink. Yeah. Like, Wait, now I'm just re- realizing and I have a question. Why does the conductor do a magic trick at one point and he... And it's it's better than yes. any of Copperfields because it's more charming. Yeah, 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 yeah. You more winning. Yeah, and then also uh, I like that really weird part where you see the magic trick and it really like claps. <laughs> then he makes the little like this is David Copperfield makes the candy dispenser <laughs> lift up and candy come out and. <laughs> <laughs> to match like the lameness of the trick, it's like zoomed in on in a weird way and kind of like scratchy to be like, yeah, this sucks so much. We're even going to photograph it in a second way. And on top of that, his reaction is like, I just gave you an orgasm. <laughs> yes. Can you believe the dispenser of candy? Came oh up? my God. I it's college kids that they're supposed to be getting excited about candy. <gasps> Yay. He got his candy. <laughs> Nuts. What? What is also with the tradition of dressing up for New Year's Eve and on a train because trading places trading pl- and Jamie Lee Curtis? Oh my God! This Do you is, think Jamie- this is like red yarn on a bulletin board? Uh-huh. Shit! Do you think Jamie Lee Curtis, when she was on the set of Trading Places, she was like, "I've been here before." Yeah, but she was like, 
I got this. Yeah, I'm trust the only me. one here that's had practice at this. And she started throwing that weight around. Going, now I'm going to start getting mixed up, and I'm going to be like, "Wait, was it trading places or territory where the principal from Breakfast Club was assaulted by a gorilla?" <laughs> when was Dan Aykroyd in problematic makeup? Yeah, that whole uh, movie has a lot of yeah problematic. But hey. When your mother-in-law is visiting and you're looking through the guide and Trading Places says Trading Places on the screen and she says, I like Trading Places. And I go, hey, me too. Uh, yeah. It was something that happened five oh, weeks ago, oh, girly, oh, and we you. sat back and the two of us watched Trading Places. We watched it over Christmas because it's a Christmas movie. Oh. And uh, um, do you... I, I'd like to think there was some crossover that if in the background of Terror Train you see... <laughs> Al Franken, yeah, and uh, uh, Jim, um, David, Tom, Tom David, Tom, yeah, Darren. Tom Davis, Tom Davis, yeah, yeah, what am I? And then vice versa, Kenny's in the background and oh, in, in trading places. That'd be incredible. That at one point you don't see this in Terror Train because it's like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. By the way, that was hilarious what you said that yesterday. Anybody listen to Comedy <laughs> Bang Bang will know uh, that. You don't see it in Terror Train, but at a point, he kills someone in a gorilla costume, takes that costume, and then, you know, kills someone else, and then that gets him back into, like, the witch costume of Mitchie. But that's happening in the Trading Places world. Oh, right. That's what all the switcheroos are, are yeah. happening. That's good. Yeah. So that's not actually Jim Belushi in there at one point. It's Kenny. You think that was weird for Jim Belushi hanging out with, like, Dan Aykroyd and John Landis on a set and being like, you know... This was my brother a year ago. <laughs> I think, no, I think he's like... Yeah, it doesn't yeah. seem like he has that. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't seem to have a problem riding on any kind of coattails. <laughs> uh, a very... Um, who, who Who's the actor? I, I already forgot his name with the interview that you read. Uh, Derek McKinnon. Yeah, a, a very Derek McKinnon-like uh, comment once I read Jim Belushi make was something like, yeah, it's funny. My brother said to me, John, before he died, he was like, don't get into comedy, man. You're the best actor in this family. Yeah. It's like, oh, the, the, <laughs> two compliments geez, here. Huh? That is, that's not even a humble brag. It's just second generation, indirect brag. brag. Like, what do you call that? Like, that's what this McKinnon, the, it gets way more like that, this interview. It's really worth reading. You know, it's funny. Uh, the, uh, all the studio heads after the movie came up and thanked me personally for making this movie. Yeah. It, the success that it was. But did people used to dress up in costume for New oh, Year's? Yeah. It, it, no, that's a great... It's so weird. I don't... It, it's a thing I only see in movies but don't know the actual historical... I would have memories of people dressing like funny or weird yeah. on New Year's Eve. Or I guess there's like a masquerade ball of some kind, but even it, that's died down, I'd say, yeah. in the last like 30 years. Also, did you know that that was Vanity in this movie? No. Me either. She's not credited as Vanity and then I looked it up and it's before she started going by oh Vanity. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. That's there's, cool. There's so much in this movie. Yeah, a lot. Of, I mean, two stars, Hart and Jamie. Yeah. Um, and then, oh, well, well, Ben Johnson's obviously yeah. a star. And, um, 
you've got Vanity, you've got David Copperfield. David Copperfield, the guy who plays the blonde guy who's like a pledge in the beginning, he ends up surviving. He's doing that amazing political impression monologue that yeah. goes on forever. Yeah. That guy's from Meatballs. I recognize him from oh. Meatballs. Oh. Yeah, I liked his character because you meet him as a pledge at the beginning. Yeah. And you kind of go, that could have been Kenny. If Kenny had, like, because later, three years later, he's like the bell of the ball. Everybody he's not wearing his this. beanie, if you know what I mean. What? He's not wearing his beanie, if you know what I mean. Oh, that was the pledge. Yeah. Um, I think that was him. No, totally. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, and, and the speaking of the um, territory and trading places, New Year's Eve of it all, I noticed uh, another uh, JLC touch when the opening prank when that guy's coming in and he's seeing a woman who he thinks is, and she's going, come in, come in. Yeah. I was like, this is a reverse true lies. Oh, wow. Cause she hears a fake voice come in to come into a room and have her strip for the man yeah. and then finds out it was all fake and a ruse. And there's a, what has to be a purposeful Halloween nod when she takes the coat hanger out of the closet too. Yeah. Right. And it almost seemed like it was like a, is it a comic? Because she goes, I can't use that. Or Oh, I didn't catch that. Maybe I'm I making like that up. We might I'll have to up. do down the road a rewatch and second podcast on this. I think so. It's yeah. juicy. It's got a lot of uh, unpacking. It delivered in a way I never expected and didn't deliver in a way I expected or something. I don't know. Well, I think also probably like having you get a leave that this thing that you were scared of to watch when you were growing up isn't like as bad as you worried and then combined with I'm enjoying this yeah. has to be a nice yeah. experience. Yeah. Yeah. Cause when I, my only memory of it was when we rented at, uh, my friend Chris's sleepover. And the only scene I remember is like the disco magic show part. Oh, and when he's got music playing and my God, a group of, sixth graders who read a movie expecting <laughs> Halloween or Friday their teeth and they're sitting watching a David Copperfield disco magic show. Crime. Oh, it was and then it gets pretty gory at the end and bloody and like crazy. But it's kind of starts gory, then is really tame for most of the movie, then gets bloody. Yeah. Can the we, very, very end is very bloody. Like yeah. when she has like she has more blood on her than Lori ever did. She's it's like doused. Not to jump too far ahead, because nope. I still want to talk about the opening scene. Yeah. That, that showdown between Kenny and Alana in that room with the cage. Yeah, really great. Th that was really scary. Yeah, the last 10 minutes are really good in this. I, I didn't are. know if it was going to be able to do it, but it did. It was really great. So Derek McKinnon said that the opening scene, he was not told what was going to happen, just that he should go in expecting what the characters are delivering to him. He doesn't read a script. Apparently they hid the script from him and didn't tell him this. And so he, they, he st <laughs> according to him, don't shoot the messenger. There were, it was a five camera setup, <laughs> which already makes me a little dubious that this movie could afford five cameras. Although I guess it was pretty big budget for a slasher film. Yeah, and I think they um, made it on their own and then sold it. Oh, and they put some of it on the screen, as Cubby Broccoli used to say, put it all on the screen. Yeah. They put some of it on the screen. <laughs> uh, 
And apparently he improvised the getting tangled up. I was thing. just going to say, and it was my idea to get tangled up. But those were just hanging. There's no way, right? Like, that's planned and you can't. Yeah, movies it gets aren't called back simple. later. Yeah, you, yeah. yeah. But when they first say that he was in the hospital after that, they don't right away tell you that he killed someone. I was thinking, like, do they mean to say he got tangled so badly he had to go to the hospital? Like, what was the, what was he's, the logic there? He's been tangled. <laughs> Third degree tangling. <laughs> he's the hillside tangler. <laughs> the Boston tangler. Uh, so, uh, yeah, well, and I thought it was interesting when Hart Bachner is introduced as the hunky frat guy who... He's the prankster. Usually yeah. in these horror movies. Yes, that's right. The the kooky clown banana in the ensemble. Because they kind of want that with Eduardo, the first person killed, because he's the jokester, but he's yes. not the prankster. And and yeah, and he gives a distinction of that. Like, right? She goes later, she's like, Why do you like magic? It's tricks. You love tricks. He's like, I love jokes, not tricks. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, that that was like the for him, that's like where you distinguish, but they're both about like fooling someone. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the, um, yeah, that jokester of the character, I like that because he's only on screen for about five minutes before they have to kill him, but they have to establish him as the jokester. They have him throwing in jokes. I know. My favorite one was when somebody held up a beer or something and was like, I'd like to make a toast. And the the jokester, quote unquote, goes, "Uh, that's not toast, my good man. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I'm using that. That is so funny. I love that you, one joke that you will carry in your arsenal is from Terror Train. The first person killed in Terror Train. Oh, anybody who's like the jokester clown in a movie, his jokes are always the best. They're better than any like scenario in a comedy. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get until later when they're talking about the prank in the beginning that that was a cadaver. I thought, do they have like a prop? What they made this thing? I didn't get that that was a real person. Derek McKinnon said that was actually a real person with makeup on. Uh, didn't oh. quite look like it to me. <laughs> but I could be wrong. Yeah, I, have- I, I saw it as a corpse that was like all. I didn't think about how like oh it's a cadaver that the medical students would have gotten. Did they tell you they were medical students by that point? Because I somehow missed No, that. I... So that it, was what was weird. They kind of need to let you know that they're medical students, because otherwise you're going, are these murderers? What? You're right, yes. And also, that's an extreme prank. It is enough to set a Kenny on his course. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's <laughs> a Kenny on his course. I guess it's a combination of like... um. It's a pledge. So you're really... I'm trying to think of it from their perspective, why he's going... I mean, I think you're supposed to think Hart Bachner's character is, like, psychotic. Yeah, but also back then, fraternity pranks were rough. You yes. know, they've since been really ratcheted back because the hazing process. Yeah. Well, recently a guy died from hazing. And there's um, a couple other movie. I mean, where the prank either gone wrong or prank leads to creates killer yeah is like carrie mm-hmm. uh and then also um there's this movie slaughter high that's similar to this and mm. that it's canadian and gauzy looking i'm in and the prank that they pull on this guy <laughs> should you not tell me like do you think that'll be one we'll watch you should watch it yeah we'll watch it because uh, okay. 
the the way they try to underline that this is a prank that would make somebody become a killer, it's like, we got it. <laughs> you, they go so far now and try to show how to the prank is, is bad. Is it, would we have enough to do one-off high school movies like Prom Night, Slaughter High? Return to Horror High yeah. is one. Um, Wait, is, is there a Horror High? No, and if I remember that movie, I think it's kind of like a cheeky making of a horror movie, oh. kind of like satire. Oh. Okay. Um, so it's like, yeah, Return to Horror High. Well, there's wink, three. Wink. Maybe there's more. <laughs> uh, what also reminded me the three years later of it all had like, um, I know what you did last summer kind of things. Yeah. Like I like that thing of like, um, I, and I know that's just a year later, but I like the... Um, in a horror movie or not, like seeing like how characters, who they were before the big event yeah. and then how they've changed to who they are now because of it three years later that like Jamie Lee Curtis's character, uh, Alana, seems to be like affected by it. Like it, it's yeah, she changed who she it. is. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, Hart Bachner seems to be... Hart uh, Bachner. <laughs> oh, yeah, so I didn't talk about the, that scene she starts to laugh and then or he laughs and then he turns it into like aggressive like throwing her around and like it's just textbook like you can see it it's like an actor got vulnerable he started to laugh and then he made up for it by like throwing her around the room it's yeah. bad oh, it, it is also when Kenny's roughing up Alana in that final scene or second to final scene in that cage room he throws her against the wall and she, and then drags her down and she hits her head on the doorknob. I saw that. He talks about it in the interview. I will have gotten to everything in this interview no. by the time the podcast is over. But he was saying, it's all informative. he was saying, of course, she was like, give it to me. I want it. I want it. Like, hit me. Come at me. So I think he's sort of saying that she wanted it to be rough like that. But oh. who knows? Well, it's funny because... <laughs> After being in like Halloween with kind of like a bulking, hulking uh, Michael Myers actor, I think he'd be like, I'm going to be okay. Because <laughs> there was a part where like uh, when he has to attack the person in the lizard yeah, reptile suit. Yeah, I wondered that myself. I was like, I, my, I wrote down. Puny Jason. Yeah. It just seems like a puny Jason kind of like walking up or puny Michael Myers and being like, ding, ding, ding. Listen here, that. mister. I, I said that out loud. <laughs> I, think his, <laughs> I think his character's name's Jackson. And I was like, why did he just not stiffen his body so that his head wouldn't go into the mirror? That seems like it would all it was taken. Amanda, <laughs> she was crushing it this whole movie, like <laughs> filling plot holes for me. She goes, oh, well, he's drunk. He saw the bottle. And I'm like, Man, this movie thinks of everything. It's like Home Alone. There's no like it's everything makes sense how it got uh, got there. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Home Alone is the only example movie <laughs> that does that. This um, this movie made me think that every horror movie could use an interlude because when this magic show came up, I was like, this is a perfect little respite. Oh. Like I want a dance number or a musical sequence. Just yeah. one moment in every music or horror movie that gives you a moment to breathe. It's yeah. great. Yeah. And I've noticed as we've been watching all these horror movies, you do notice little moments that like aren't plot or character yeah. recursions. It'll just be like, Oh, this is the move of like, we're going to kind of make it, um, 
boring or non um incidental. Yeah. Like there's gonna be no incident. Yeah. For like three minutes so that when the scary thing happens, you get really scared. It's, it's like, like in so service of the rhythm or something. Yeah. 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 So why not have it be you're gonna take a breather. So bring in some magic we and dancing. We get a show. We get a show. Yeah. We're all on that train. <laughs> I did the same thing again three nights ago where I watched the first 45 minutes of Friday 13th Part 2. Oh, I was like, I've God. had enough. I've oh. watched all of them have fun and enjoy each other's company. And now <laughs> I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> Doesn't have to end poorly for these folks. <laughs> um, I liked, um, this was in addition to the... Oh, 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 uh, Sorority House, I think, also has, like, a prank gone wrong death oh, yeah. so, uh, thing. Um, that's right. Uh, What's this note I have? Was this film made for DC? And I don't mean the comic book company. Dick Clark? That's it. This was hey, funded by... Hey, it's got by, rock and roll, and I love it, kids. <laughs> it was funded by and made for him. He said, here's the money, this is what I want. Come back to me in a year. <laughs> it's got to have a Groucho mask. Um, the uh, uh, um, I only could talk about. It. Did you catch the train's name that was written on the side of the train? No, Rasco's Folly. Oh, God. <laughs> oh wow, wow, Rasco R A S C O E apostrophe S Rasco Rasco Rasco's Rasco's Folly. And I was thinking, like, do you think they, like, put a blindfold on Rasco? <laughs> and they're like, we got a surprise for you, Rasco. And they came out, and then they pulled the blind off, and it was, like, mixed blessings where it was like, oh, you named a train. Rasco's folly? What yeah. did I do wrong? You wanted a train, and it just doesn't make sense in 1979 to build a steam engine. <gasps> oh, I love train enthusiasts. I'm not a train guy. Yeah. But... There is a, like, I'm a horror guy. Yeah. So I'll be reading the Terror Train Wikipedia, and then it happens every time you watch a movie about a train. Oh. The little tidbit that's, like, so insane. That's I like, know. this is the black 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 train, it is still running, and this is my best friend. <laughs> that's how I am with the Bonaventure. I fully <laughs> expect to to retire into miniature train like have a room that is all a model train diorama. My hands shake too much and I get too excited. Like <laughs> I would love that. That's all I've wanted since I was a kid. And my high school girlfriend, her dad was a train guy. And oh. We got along. I loved him so much. He was a great man. And he would take me and we'd go and we'd hang out and he'd show me his train station. It was awesome. Oh, that's good. Uh, the, uh, um, yeah, the, uh, uh, what was I going to say? The, um, interest of when you said like would you retire um yeah a train getting into trains or building trains seems like the way to go i, I guess there are worse ways <laughs> i mean i could become a serial killer and then my whole life is about trying to cover up my tracks train tracks <laughs> choo choo <laughs> bless you maybe i'll be a bless train you. killer combine both of them i have a question that i don't know if there's an answer but maybe you can help me yeah. <laughs> what is the costume of the woman wearing pants up to her shoulders? Oh. With a hand coming out of it. Is that like a pun? You know how sometimes do pun, people do pun costumes? 
Yeah, what would the pun be? Like? I don't know. That's why I'm asking because I half expected because she's the one that gets topless in this movie for her to lower her pants and she had a vagina on her sternum because that's why she wears <laughs> her pants so high. I didn't know what the... Co- I guess it's not a costume. It's just a, a choice. I don't know. Is it, yeah, it's just zany. Well, it's right in that time where like Dexy's Midnight Runners where you could see that could have almost been like a British new wave fashion or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I like it when people use costume masquerade stuff as just the time to kind of be like bold in a fashion choice. Yeah. And just wear the thing that they kind of wish they could wear. Yeah, because even the lizard guy was wearing like a, a leather jacket that was green and lizardy. Yeah, I love that lizard costume. Yeah. Um, and that was the first point in the movie where I was like, oh, this is going to be like mistaken identities, uh, switching costume yeah. kind of movie, which yeah. I love. Me yeah. too. And I realize now why they couldn't do it, but I, I was sort of like thrown by the introduction of the like murdered person walking up. You don't see the person, the first person get killed. Yeah. He's like missing. And then the, there's a change in costume. Yeah. Um, and same with Mo getting his, yeah. Chest or throat slit or I don't know what. It wasn't clear. This definitely is post-Halloween, pre-Friday 13th, where it's not about gore. Yeah. Like, they don't think you're coming to this movie to to see gore effects. They think yeah. you want to see, like, a suspenseful... It really is Agatha yeah. Christie for horny teens. <laughs> yes. What do you think the closest Agatha Christie came to the horny teen work? Um... Do you, do you think a filmmaker filmmakers could be categorized as they work with peers and elders or below their age? Because like John oh, Hughes, yeah. whether it's like teenagers or Dennis the Menace and Home Alone or Baby's Day Out. Yeah, a he baby. was definitely into a youth thing. Yeah, whereas like... Um, Paul Thomas I, Anderson is usually yeah. working with... Well, I was going to say Tarantino when Once Upon yeah. a Time in Hollywood came out, he was saying like, oh, all the Manson stuff. He was like, I realize I've never... I don't do things with young actors, like mm. actors in their 20s often. Yeah. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, I could see where you're just kind of like, if you're sitting down to write something, you're like, I don't want to fucking hang out with teenagers all day it's gonna be annoyed (laughs) on a train (laughs) yeah it did make me realize how great a concept this is for a film because you have such an enclosed space and it's Mm. one way or there's like one avenue so you're always forced in a lane towards the killer yeah or or they're coming towards you and it's going a to z yeah there's a ticking clock that the train has to get to the point at some point i remember did did you see um uh piercer yeah. I remember watching that movie and thinking, oh, this is ingenious that yeah. they're on a thing that's constantly moving. It just makes the movie always feel yeah. something's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The uh, um, uh, murder on the horny bent express. That's the, that's the end. <laughs> the horny bent. Yeah. Sexpress. <laughs> sex breast. Oh my God. Murder Sign on the up. horny bent sex breast. <laughs> You got to keep murder, though. Yeah, he's yeah. you. <laughs> you don't want to mess with that. Um, uh, uh, oh, yeah, I also like the... Um, when they're having the scene, and she's kind of talking about how she has maybe some complicated feelings about the time they trick somebody with a corpse, he goes, <laughs> you always have to be Little Miss Perfect. <laughs> 
<laughs> I could count two people on this earth that would have a problem. <laughs> uh, also, did you think her boyfriend and um, Hart Bachner that there was like some homoerotic subtext where there's a part where he's trying to get her to break up with him. Yeah. And he goes, hey, forget her. You'll always have me. And then the friend laughs because it's like, yeah, that's a weird thing to say. And then he goes, no, I mean it. Hart Bachner goes, no, I mean it. You'll always have me. I didn't catch that, but now that you say it, I could see it. There was... Oh, if she dumps you, you'll always have me, man. I mean it. It is weird that he tries to break them up. Yeah. And like, it's also, he's kind of like, I know you tried to get us to break up, man. She didn't fall for it or... Well, it was also weird because he, Mo and Alana have that heart to heart. And then he immediately goes to kind of fool around behind her back, but then also doesn't. It feels weird, like, just well, plot convenience. And her friend, Hartbachner's girlfriend, does that thing that, like, feels like of its time. Which is like when she sees the two boys walking off with two of their friends. Yeah. And she just kind of watches and goes, eh, whatever. Kind of like boys will be boys. Because they say they have an open relationship. Oh, they do. Hartbachner and Mitchie, yeah. Doc and Mitchie. So wait, do you think like he's the gas and she's the brakes? Or do you think she's the gas and he's the brakes? He's the gas because I think she is affected when she sees that. And she even seems like she's going to mess around with Jackson the lizard out of a kind of like, well, I better Oh, if do this, this is the deal, then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then that she's like, uh, Alana's kind of like, should I... Where'd they go? And she's like, forget about it. Forget about it. She's like saving her friend, like the heartbreak. Yeah. But when that guy was kind of like, get me out of here. Get out of here. You can't be doing this. I'm like, dude, there is a door. I know. Open that door and walk out. There's a door you didn't even have to go into. <laughs> yes. Did They don't even show that, right? Because then it's like, <laughs> maybe they did show them going to that crazy. I think crazy so. Tight. You see the whole journey. Um. Yeah, with the costume that shall not be named or figured out. I would out. love to name it. I just don't know what its name is. Hand down the pants, pants hand, trouser hands, hand high. Trouser, trouser hand. Trouser Who are you? I'm trouser hands. Did you know there's a, a Margot Kidder movie that's kind of like a, I've never seen it, but it's like a light murder mystery kind of movie. It's not Sisters. No, it's called... Trench coat. Oh yeah, I've never seen it, but I do know of that. Oh, movie. you know, yeah. it, I might have to check that the out. The poster's awesome. It's just of a trench coat. <laughs> Who else is in it? Uh, Robert Hayes, Airplanes. Oh, Robert Hayes. this sounds good. Yeah, and it's written by the Roger Rabbit guys. Oh, the reason they wrote Roger Rabbit was because they're on the Disney lot writing movies like Trench Coat, and they're like, "Do you want to try to write Roger Rabbit?" And oh they my did. god. Wow. But I'd love to see trench coat. It feels like such a cozy. Yeah, I bet it is. In the vein cozy. of a foul play. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah. Um. Uh. Uh. Looking at my notes here. Oh, I like the um. One of the conductors says to the other conductor. He or one of the train guys says to the other. What did the conductor say to the other conductor? <laughs> what? What did he say? <laughs> Hand me the floss. What? That's not funny. <laughs> well. How about my costume, trouser hands? I'm referring to that. <laughs> he says, damn medical students. Which I thought was kind of like, 
it was 80 yard. Yeah. And it's sort of about like crazy kids, crazy pranks, yeah. but it was damn medical students. But I did think it seemed to be kind of like a, um, they're entitled in a different way or something. Right. Oh, like yeah. they're rich. They're, they're going to be rich. They're smart. They're cocky. Like, this is uh, you a different. Might be giving it too much credit because I think he's just like damn teens, meaning like any bunch of young medical yeah. students is gonna be—they're the worst. But what do you think? Like, if I had to choose a major to have to be like on a, a conductor for a train that's a party, I wouldn't want pre-med kids. No, I wouldn't either. I think there'd be a different kind, of, like because they're smart. Yeah, I'd be like, I could get a handle on some other majors right. if who, they're gonna party. Who would you want? Just like. Uh, communications majors, <laughs> the catch-all major, yeah, liberal poli arts. sci, yeah. Uh, well, that one, maybe the is. bookish kinds, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're gonna have a magic show, and that's it. No murder. <laughs> uh, the um, oh, I felt like there was a scene missing. Between Ellis, Hart Buckner, and David Copperfield, like they just cut to him sitting in the front of the magic show and giving him a death stare. Yeah, I wonder if there was. Like, uh, that whole element was confusing to me because he's looking at him in that moment going, This is Kenny and I hate him. Uh huh. Or is he going, like, trying to still suss him out? I don't know. I was confused in that moment. You know what confused me too is that I forget who the killer was killing, but you see that you see the fingernails on yeah. the hand and then they're gone later. So every time Kenny comes out of the assistant costume, he's like putting on and off nails. I mean, yeah. I know that's nitpicking. No, but maybe this was like, um, similar that there was other deleted scenes. Maybe there was like a, a very clear like endorsement, a product placement from like Lee press on. <laughs> that would be amazing. And that, that you see like a, a stand cardboard stand up in stores like featured in terror train. <laughs> That's right. Moms. <laughs> that movie terror train you loved. You can get the Lee Fresno deals from your beloved character, Kenny. Uh, 10th one free. Did you notice when he yelled Ellis, <laughs> uh, Hart Wagner, when he had to yell help, it was insane. It was like, yes. <laughs> Yeah. It was like was, a goofy yell. And it kept going, right? Dude, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. The, he, over and over. An, I wonder if he's an interesting fella because I had him lined up to be on I Was There Too. Mm. And I was, I forget who hooked me up with him, but I was emailing with him personally. Oh. And he was very kind and he's like, okay, okay, great, great. Let me just set you up with my manager to work out the time and place. And the minute I heard from the manager, it was like, he can't do it. And it was clearly good cop, uh, good bad cop, cop which yeah. I totally understand. And I, you know, I actually am glad for him. Like it's, he's kind and he didn't want to do it in the first place probably, but that. Yeah. It's always tricky when somebody can play Ellis so well. Uh, I know. <laughs> He's unbelievably good at Die Hard. And it makes, I mean, like, it. Oh, oh my gosh, that movie is just like a series of like just casting yeah. miracles. But like with Ellis, yeah, like, um, it's interesting because anybody who is an Ellis in real life, that is a performance. Like yeah. nobody is truly that. So right. when I was like, 
Well, even if he is part Ellis, he's not fully Ellis because that in itself is kind of like a weird performance people do, right? Yeah. Or maybe people are born Ellis's. But he also has to be aware enough of it to perform it as right. well. He knows what he's playing. I don't know. I, and you don't see him in a lot of things. And I, I, I wondered if that was another reason he didn't want to do it because sometimes people would be like, that's all I'm known for. And they don't, they yeah. want to move forward. And I completely get that. But I, I could think he would have really been a well-known actor, but maybe he is difficult. You always wonder if people are difficult or some people are just like, I don't want to act anymore and God bless him for it. You know? Yeah. Beard is also like a, the thing with Ellis too, which is like, I, there's times where I'm like, have I seen him in other things? He just yeah. doesn't have a beard or like if he walks into an audition, people are like, where's the beard? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Where's the booby Hans booby. Yeah. I can give him to you. That, it boggles my mind when I think about the script just having so many characters rammed into that movie, but then the actors that are all playing them, that you have the principal from Breakfast Club and the EPA guy from uh, Ghostbusters. And, and Ray De- uh, and Fratelli from Goonies. Yeah. Yes. There are so many. And that's just the baddies. That's just the I assholes. I know. Forget the dad from Family Matters. Carl, or Alexander Gudinov, the dancer who plays Carl, right? Yeah. Is that Carl? No. Uh, yeah. K-A-R-L. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And another, like there's a Bond henchman who plays his brother. There's one guy that looks like Fabio. <laughs> Fabio from people at the stairs <laughs> yeah it could be and another ghostbusters guy vigo the carpathian from the painting is is one of the terrorists in die hard yes he's the one that goes that shoots the rocket launcher down early nobody's on. ever said to me that die hard has both ghostbusters villains in it yeah i mean it's not like um uh, uh the ghoul from the end of ghostbusters there's slimer the, the human. is not in die hard that we know of <laughs> You know Slimer's original name in the script and they didn't say it in the movie so that it never... What? Onion Head. <sighs> and it was supposed to be that Slimer stunk. And in the deleted scenes, people are like, what is that smell? Because Slimer smells like an onion. Oh my and then God. they cut it out and then the cartoon was like, we're naming him Slimer. Not, That's better. Yeah. That's like uh, those AVP aliens all had names, remember? But they weren't used in the movie, like Scar... Sleepy, happy, doc, boner, boner. <laughs> no, <laughs> I can't believe they got away with the nickname boner on growing pains. I know, because that was just like clearly written by boomers who still think of thought of boner as the term for a mistake. And enough young people were watching, going, like, <laughs> what on earth? It's like the um, you know, there was a gas station in the Midwest that. Come and go, and it's K U M. Oh boy, what were they thinking? I mean, maybe they're—that's really what they're advertising. <laughs> I guess uh, every time I went in there, I used Jack Quinn. So <laughs> well, they guaranteed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I liked his. Oh, oh, what the? I was gonna say I liked um, Hart Bachner's death, but with all those costume characters on the and the shining cinematography, I half expected the bear costume man to be bopping around in there. I know that would have been something. Um, the um, Ellis's death, I like that kind of cool. He's shut himself off. He knows it's a cool thing where the two characters realize, like, oh my god, 
he's killing off the people who pulled the prank. We're the surviving people, so we got to watch ourselves. And he closes himself up in the cart, and then he's sitting in the seat, and he sees that weird, like, glimmer yeah. underneath. I the, think it's the, like a, a beer can or something. Okay, but I like the kind of magician's misdirect yeah. trick of it. Yeah. And then when they reveal his head, it's a little dicey. Oh, boy. It's crazy how decent, I would say, the cadaver looked. Yeah. But the head... So bad. It's like, obviously not even a cast. You know, like they often... Those even look fake often. Mm -hmm. But this was like, we got a mannequin head and put a shitty wig on it. (laughs) Yeah. And And like putty. Yeah. Threw some putty on the mannequin head. Uh, I gotta say, I felt pretty silly. I was mistaken when... When they show the head, the conductor finds it, and they cut to like the outside of the train, and you hear the train whistle. Yeah, I thought it was the conductor screaming. Oh, <laughs> no, no! When Hart Bachner is in that room, and he thinks the guy's in there, and he do- he takes that like metal stool bottle or whatever it is, and he's like shoving it up above the closets like yeah. that's what i would do you'd be like frantic i love like that that's something you don't often see i like that yeah especially you don't see a male character in horror movies yeah. like having that sort of like yeah. hysterical response but that is how 99 percent of us uh-huh. would be in that scene we'd be like I've trying to get a, a killer up in a crawl space where he couldn't possibly be you're just like Ugh. yeah smoking him out yeah the another thing the another thing that this movie has <laughs> that you don't get in slasher movies is a villain's monologue. So when she comes in and thinks he's the conductor and he pulls his head up and he's wearing one of those see-through masks, which are very scary, but I was like, I hope he doesn't leave that on because Kenny himself is an interesting looking guy and I want to just, and he takes it off and then they have a little dialogue. And these faces are like, photographed so well like that scene where I was talking about Ben Johnson where he has to give the scene like don't use the axe boy yeah. uh, an actor would kill to be photographed by like John Halcott they know. look so beautiful they faces. all did look yeah. gorgeous all the people were yeah like, lucky them Mitchy, Jamie Lee Curtis Vanity this has to be maybe the best looking slasher film cast that I can think of ooh yeah all very attractive. Um, Friday Thirteenth Four has like attractive people, it but it's almost like the it's to set up. Uh, they look so like teen bop yeah. sometimes that like these people just look like attractive movie stars. Yeah, these actors. people look like when my sister would play softball and I would go to the games and her older. She's older. Her other softball team members were like, I was just like, wow. They, oh. they just seem real, I guess, in yeah. this movie. Yes. Yeah. And for all of you folks who um, are attracted to girls who didn't have older siblings that let you be around girls, you missed out. I know. It was the best. Because they would dote on you, especially because my sister never would, and so I was thrown by it, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When some your sister's age comes in and then they're nice to you, yeah. is like a, a crazy experience. It's not like own a right. trick. <laughs> yes. You're like, like am I going to get Kenny? <laughs> 
and you're I gonna did. be a corpse. And actually. I did, and I took care of every one of them <laughs> on a train. I loved it that my sisters. Um, they went to a place called the Turnaround that was like gymnastics and dance. And you would go and you'd learn. Mary Lou Retton was very popular at the time. So it was like learning gym floor routines oh, wow. or um, dance recitals, ballet and jazz and tap. But my mom would pull up front and she'd go, uh, go in and get your sisters. Oh. And I'd get to walk. And I'm like five. <laughs> This is like my first memory is being the object of, in my mind, I'm thinking it's erotic desire. Of my, like people are, but no, it's just, like I'm a blonde haired like five-year-old who's coming str- for his sisters walking with like sleeves over his hands. And like, you think you're strutting like John Travolta, but you're actually watching, like, walking like Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> yeah. Take Jar Jar Binks walking along and then add the like staying alive uh, song over it. That's like what is in my imagination. Uh, but yeah, it was awesome. You just walk through it. And uh, I mean, and it's also funny because yeah, everybody's so young, but uh, at the time you just, it, it was um, so exciting. That's why these movies are so effective. Even for me personally, because they are the era when, the girls that were older and and boys that I knew looked like that. So my babysitters, my mm. sister's friends, guys and girls, they look like that. So at the time I was so scared to see them get killed, but I also have a strange nostalgia for that yeah. look and that time. And so it, it is a real sense sensory experience to watch this movie at this yeah. point in my life, having never watched it before. No, it looks like a late, 70s, early 80s yearbook come yeah. to life. Yeah, and I was seven when this came out and my parents divorced this year. So it was like a fraught time and year. And so it's just baked in as like one of those high points of emotion, you know? Wow. Yeah. And then, yeah. Having that, um, I mean, we talked about this when we did the commentary for the shining, like, uh, a movie is in luck when their eras fashion, like, we talked about it with like the the boy in the shiny. Oh, yeah. If that movie had just been like five years later, we might have been having to see very insufferable like bowl cuts or something. Even or, though like, he's got quite a bowl cut in there, but it works. It's yeah, like a cool it does. like yeah. It's um, just in that sweet spot, and it, and I think every that I wonder with these slashers generation though, partly it has. To I be. can watch the the first few couple of Friday Thirteenths no problems, and then. You really have to pay. I mean, I don't like Nightmare on Elm Street Five to begin with, but those yeah. fashions are yeah. so bad. I don't. It's hard to go back and look at it. And there, that will shift with the generations. Like they will watch that and acknowledge, like attach to it. Like we can't, and and probably yeah. before us too. It's similar, and yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, and yet I sometimes. Like with 90s fashion, even though I was older at that time, I had two younger brothers. So I do, when I see kids in 90s movies, do have a connection to it because I think of my, I had younger brothers that were 12 and 13 years younger than me. So I have a like connection because they were so adorable. And so I see them in that. And I imagine them as, from Full House, uh, Nikki and Alex, John Stamos's twin boys. <laughs> Pretty close. <laughs> they had some bull cuts. Uh, yeah, they did too. My guys. <laughs> Should we do a terror drain? And yeah. Close this out. Yes. All right. With and
I was looking over my notes, Gorley, here. I, I just, I only have one final thought. Me too. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, it was just uh, Kenny's death. Yeah. And, uh, and what an abrupt ending. Yeah, there's no um, denouement. No, I, when he fell and hit the water, for some reason I knew it. I'm like, they're just going to fade out. They're yeah. not, they're, they don't have time or the care to close this out. What do you think that is? Because the no, if anything, she has a more of a relationship with the conductor than with Loomis. Because Loomis is just a guy who shows up at the end of Halloween. You're right. Uh, with this, she you'd expect more of a. I mean, I couldn't help but compare the ending of this to Halloween because yeah. I really like the ending of Terror Train. Me too. But compared to Halloween, I mean, yeah. nothing. But like the um, because like. I love when a uh, villain's death doesn't have like any kind of like dignity or grant. Like the way he just kind of like falls and hits the ice hard yeah. before it goes into the water. I know. I thought he'd land in the water, but he doesn't. And it's quiet too. He's not screaming or anything. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. And then just kind of like floats around. But the, um, so I like that death a lot. Um, but the, it was funny to think that like, um, the DP for Stanley Kubrick, the last shot of this movie is, the train is going away and the last in the last shot it like reframes to get like a better I didn't notice it's like that, really? showing it and then it kind of goes burp, 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 just to kind of get a better angle of I'm like that was the he wanted to leave the impression of just kind of somebody being like boop, boop, boop. like in its abruptness that it didn't go back to the other characters also just that it ended with kind of this like slightly slip shot uh, yeah. that would have never passed the Kubrick muster they're probably like I did read somewhere that because all of this was shot in the, in the warehouse and they had like a limited amount of time to get out and do on location stuff so they did the wide shots of the train and they did uh. the, the kids getting out and back in so I think it was like a night or two so that probably was like all they could get yeah and I did think like ooh how are you gonna get a train to go back around oh, and yeah. then like be yeah. like they had to take what they could at that and also it seems like it's kind of like early morning or late yeah. day or something but um do you know how this movie did did it do well because i am kind of surprised there's not a sequel to this lesser horror films have gotten no kidding sequels i um i have to imagine that because i think it was like it made eight million or mm. something like that it wasn't like a gigantic hit but you're the same point there's been movies that had sequels that for movies that weren't as were less hits i I think it's one I noticed it did seem to be like Fox was holding its nose hmm. that it was releasing a movie like this. So I wonder if oh, maybe if a studio just doesn't have a profit motive and also seems to be distancing itself from the beginning, maybe. But interesting. He, I think there should be sequels. It'd be cool. Even now, like because Jamie Lee Curtis is going back and doing Halloween. Yeah. Kenny's, Kenny's still out there doing interviews. Oh, he's still alive. Yeah. Okay. Well, not the character, the actor. No, but I both I'm surprised are still alive, <laughs> or one's dead. And uh, I thought Kenny, the character, would still be alive, um, but the actor would be dead. Um, Mitchy died in like '96 of toxic shock syndrome. That's For real. Sad. Yeah. Ooh. I know. I always, whenever I read up about one of these movies, it always seems like some cast members died way too early, and it's so sad. Yeah, under kind of like weird. 
circumstances. Uh, yeah, like um, I'm trying to think. Well, Poltergeist seems to be the movie that's had the most like yeah ohs coming up as a yeah commentary too. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Well, uh, what was your final? Did you? I said I had a just one. That point, was just that yeah. it ended abruptly. That yeah, I would have liked a little, like you say, a denouement of some kind. Yeah, but I kind of yeah, I would have liked to have seen the conductor and Alana, Elena, looking out the train, looking down mm-hmm. as it goes away. That would have been nice. And yeah, like yet. a little like look at each other, like yeah, we did this. Yes, yeah. Us two wet blankets. We saved the day. I know. One, let's end it on a Derek McKinnon story. <laughs> oh, we got to choose best kill. Yeah, that's right. Best death. Okay, so but let me just recount this other thing he said about- Oh, please. That he accused Jamie Lee Curtis of not signing Terror Train DVDs at these horror conventions. She would sign the back because- her face was not on the original cover and said, I'm not signing that. So apparently also this movie was always marketed with the killer on the poster, but then at some point they put Jamie Lee Curtis on later, uh-huh. years later, and he thinks that she bears a grudge on the old version of it. No! <laughs> Look, did the first Halloween poster have her face on it? No. And I bet she signs those if you bring them to her. I bet so too. Yeah. And... Um, it's not like Terror Train is the crown jewel in her no filmic tiara tiara that she would be like, no, my face should be on the Terror Train movie. Yeah. Or like, you think she'd be kind of happy, maybe? I know. Yeah, I think she was fine. Yeah. <laughs> Who did he get along with? Did he have any? He got along with Alcott. He oh, said, really? And he said he did gave him a lot of the direction where Roger Spottiswood didn't. Oh, I did watch... Uh, Is Alcott his name? Did I get that? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. I watched an interview with him, like an hour interview that somebody put up. And he is so funny and so <laughs> oh, charming really? and he tells really great stories and yeah. Hmm. So I could see how somebody uh, on set would want to hang out with them. That yeah, dude. I, love, I love it when you hear like crew members or kind of people you can latch on to. Yeah. Play. I think also the... I could see myself really being comforted and enjoying the presence of a British crewman. I agree. I agree. And for some reason, like anytime I was doing commercials, it seemed like the DP was always from Europe. Yep. And you do connect with them more because they're closer to you, especially in a commercial. The director's usually way back (laughs) at the monitor and is often dealing with other things but the dps are always these like real fashion cool uh-huh. european guys that are like and that's Dimitra, you know oh i remember it was probably it, it had been enough times that i could clock it as a a thing but i remember like the third set i was on where it was a european dp like a guy who was always the coolest and spoke cool and sophisticated yeah. but i was like what is that i guess it's just a it seems like, especially in commercials, I don't know why that is. Yeah, it was, now that you mentioned it, all those experiences were, yeah, commercials. I don't know, yeah. I wonder if it's just the, like the real artistry, if there is any in commercials, comes from the, the photography of it all. Yeah, so you're yeah. like, if somebody's in it for the visual, it's yeah. like, I'm going to 
do commercials. It's awesome. It's yeah. the best. Do you know, uh, I've been talking Kubrick nonstop, but you know, he loves those like Michelob commercials from like the late eighties. Kubrick like, does. Yeah. He's like commercials. There's an interview with him from like the late eighties where he's like, commercials are where it's at right now. They can tell a complete story through visuals in 30 seconds and give you atmosphere and a vibe. And he talks about like those like smoky, like oh beyond signed commercials, like with Michelob. Wow. Hmm. Or is it Miller draft? I forget. I don't know. But if you saw him, you'd see him and you'd go, Oh yeah. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. What's your uh, best kill? So you've got Eduardo, before the train leaves, then Jackson mm-hmm. killed in the mirror, then Mitchie, mm-hmm. whose throat is slit. Yep. Then Mo, who's stabbed, stabbed in the dark, which is a little odd. And then uh, Doc? Ellis. Yeah. David Copperfield. <laughs> Stuffed in the trunk. The- and then the poor Porter. Yes. <laughs> Poor Porter. Poor Porter. And then Kenny, is it? We might be. Are we missing any? Yeah. I think that's it. I guess I got to go with Ellis. Yeah. That's good. Unless you don't, unless you count the cadaver at the beginning, but. Um, yeah. That's great. Mine is, uh, I think I did like, I was going to say the death at the end, Kenny's death, but. I do think I like that David Copperfield one now. Like yeah. he's in that magic box with a bunch of swords through his head and stuff. That's what my note means. Was this film made for DC? Was this film made for David Copperfield? Oh, I yeah. It early on, wondering if it was a vehicle for David Copperfield, a stealth marketing vehicle. Yeah, um, like um, he was trying to think of it like when Elvis Presley would make movies. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Okay, so just to recap, <laughs> the. Um, up to this point. Oh, can I tell you a story? Sorry, real yeah. quick. Uh, uh, my daughter loves uh, Batman and Batman and Robin and, mm. and the cartoons and the watching the uh, 60s show and stuff. Oh, yeah. And uh, two weeks ago, we were we were talking about comic books or something. We're not a big comic book family. And Leslie was like, well, maybe we could go to a comic book store and get you a Batman comic. And, oh. and Mary was like, there's Batman comic books and we laughed because it would have been like if somebody was like I love the Elvis Presley movies <laughs> and then somebody was like well you could get one of his records it's like oh what he's a musician also those Batman comics are really violent yeah well we went and we paged through them and I was like <laughs> let's stick with Teen Titans for now <laughs> that is great um Okay, so the past ratings so far was Drag Me to Hell. You gave a 9. I gave it an 8.5. The People Under the Stairs, you gave a 7.5, and I gave it a 5.5. So out of 13 for Terror Train, I think I know what I'm doing. Hey, this is crazy, because I think I like Drag Me to Hell more, but I'm going to give this movie a 10. That's what I'm giving it. Hey! Hey! Two tens for wow. Terror Train. T T T T T T T T. Two tens. Terror Train. And it came out in 1980, which is when I think the movie Ten came out as well. So ten 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 ten. I love that movie. Because you have to include in your rating other movies that came out that year that or it's invalid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that brings us to our last element. Very exciting to choose. You get to choose. Oh boy. So. Where is that piece now, of Now, you know the numbers too well that if 
I couldn't hold it right now, and you say a number, so you get the fun of. I don't know the numbers. Uh, on the thing? Yeah. Do oh. you want to do it? Yeah. Okay, I, the only thing I don't know is which numbers are crossed off. Okay. So tell me what not to choose. Gotcha. Um, this is exciting. So don't choose um, six, three, or two. Okay. I'm going to go my favorite number, four. Four is, it's on a crease, so I'm opening up the crease. Four is body double. Whoa, we're going Brian De Palma. Oh my God. That's funny because when I saw it on the crease, I thought it said ladybugs. (laughs) (laughs) The Rodney Dangerfield. I have been watching Rodney Dangerfield movies lately. Oh, they're the best. I watched Back to School and started Easy Money. I've never seen Easy Money from beginning to end. I, I liked either. it a lot, when the parts I saw. But yeah. Back oh to God. school's crazy. I watched Ladybugs uh, recently, ah. so that's why I saw it in the thing. <laughs> what, what's crazy about Back to School? I, I've seen it many times. So. It's just maybe of all those movies of that era, to me it is the most 80s movie because it is all get what you can for you, screw everyone else. That like, is true. It's just, I mean, he literally says, like, do for you. And the yeah. bad guys are all kind of like all for education and rational thought. And oh, right, yeah, the bad guys are like stuffy, yeah, uh, intellectuals. Yeah, because the the, um, the thing I'm struck by, but it goes hand in hand because I think it, it is how wholesome of a movie it is. It's strange how they it rides both. Lines. It almost yeah. feels like a Disney movie about the dad who came and joined us. I mean, there's nudity and yeah the, it's the first movie first movie i saw nudity first movie i heard the f word oh. and heard ever in life the f word really he he goes yeah son we'll fuck you oh, that's right and my parents turned to each other and went oh we didn't know this movie okay and they just kept, and i was like why do they react that way i guess that was a dirty word so, yeah. Uh, back to school, Tommy. I went back to school. <laughs> the school of There's life. There's the scene where he walks into what he thinks is his son's fraternity house, but it's the sorority house. And he walks into the bathroom in the shower and he opens the shower and there's a college age girl showering in there. He's Rodney Dangerfield. He's an old man by any account, even looking back now at the time. And he goes, Oh, excuse me. And he shuts the thing. And then he does a pause, reopens it, and goes, you're perfect. It's crazy, like, just... <laughs> yeah, because that also means when he was walking into his son's, what he thought was a fraternity, he was just going to open up a shower and that. come into yeah. a guy, naked guy, and be like, his hey, son. I'm Rodney Dangerfield. His son! <laughs> uh, uh. You're perfect. <laughs> it is bonkers. Yeah, I think the line after that that is uh, when he's paying off the cop who's coming to like arrest yes, him. Yeah. And he goes, here, here's some money for your wife, your kids. And he's like, I don't have kids. And he's like, well, well, here, make some kids. And he gives some money. Yeah. And then he says, you know, the best part about kids is making them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? I mean, it is definitely a movie of its time. And I, I think I've told you about Rodney Dangerfield movies. What's so funny about them is it's just he's saying one-liners left. And right. I know. They're so funny. And so as a viewer, you just get to lap it up. But that nobody in a Rodney Dangerfield movie ever goes, dude, you are so funny. 
You're like the funniest guy I've ever met. Sally you say Kellerman these jokes off us. the top of your head constantly. You should yeah. be Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> <laughs> Sally Kellerman kind of does in this movie because she's, you know, she's so like enchanting and almost yes. like a caricature of a of a like <laughs> elegant woman. Has some she, hidden valley, thousand islands, yeah. addressing oh, me. Oh god. But she's just always like, he's just so full of life. It's so fun. <laughs> yeah, to her, he's like a Pollyanna kind of figure. Like yeah. he's coming in and br- Get these stuffed shirts to laugh. Yeah, and Robert Downey Jr. in that movie, he's in a different wardrobe every time and is a different fashion every time. Yes. He's, he's like finding himself. Oh, and he's got that glorious gap in his teeth. Yeah. Yeah. You realize what? how much he's had done, you know? Yeah, and I love Keith Gordon. Yeah. He's yeah. so great. And, um, uh, you know, as we talk Carpenter, I, I, I don't know if I ever Oh, did. Christine, right? Yeah. 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 Christine is probably the carpenter I've seen the most, Gordon. Oh, and that's probably one of his that I've seen the least, so. Ooh, well, if you're a Gordon, a Keithy Gordon fan. A Gordon guy. Yeah, are you a Gordon guy? I am now. <laughs> <laughs> well, next week we'll be back with Brian De Palma's body double. What year is it from? 84. Ooh, that's a good year. But Gorley, this is one of my picks again. That means... Four in a row. Yeah. That's amazing. So if now I'm kind of hoping that I get the fifth just so yeah. the back five or Gorley's five. Wow. So your last one is Gremlins, right? Yeah. yeah. Another 84 I mean, doozy. It, it is our podcast. We could just say we're going to do Gremlins next. No, okay. no, 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 no. All right. Because right. if you start breaking the rules That's right. with Gremlins, it doesn't. Oh, yeah. Then they come after you. Yeah. Stripey. Well, I'm looking forward to next week. Me too, very much. Yeah, there hasn't been a movie on this list that I haven't looked forward to. And Amanda's been watching most of them with me, so it's been really fun. Yeah, I guess it's the nice thing of the the, the one-offs. And I've never seen Body Double, so I'm Ooh, excited. Ooh, yeah. that's fun. Yeah. That, okay, well, I don't want to build it up too much. It's The movie's a D- minus at best. <laughs> I wink, 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 wink. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, check us out on our Patreon. We got merch in the show notes. And I think, is that all our business? By by the time the fourth Tuesday of this month comes around, the commentary for Carpenters They Live will be Mm -hmm. up. That was fun. But yeah. So, uh, you know, come visit us there. And uh, if not, we'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye. For more Gorley and Rust content, Head over to patreon.com slash with and Rust to get episodes ad-free and a whole week early. Plus, monthly mailbag episodes and feature-length watch-along film commentaries of your favorite horror classics. That's patreon.com slash with and Rust. Email us at withgorleyandrust at gmail.com and your questions might be featured on a future mailbag episode. With Gorley and Rust theme song by me, Matt Gorley, and performed by Townland. You can find us on Instagram as Townland Band, as well as Paul's fantastic band at Don't Stop or We'll Die. And why not rate and review with Gorley and Rust on Apple Podcasts? It'll help us grow the show and keep us trucking through the Jasons and the Michaels, the Leatherfaces and the Chuckies, the Aliens and the Candymans. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.